This episode of the podcast is dedicated to the memory of Linda Clark. Linda was Graham's granny, and unfortunately, and quite suddenly, she passed away recently. I know how much Linda meant to Graham, and I know how much he meant to her. And I think the the losses made a little bit harder by the fact that they had to say goodbye to uh, Linda's husband and Graham's granddad Ray earlier this year. Mero was asked me to say a couple of words and share the story to in some way dedicate the podcast to her and, and I'm happy to do that. This being the Christmas special, um, it seems fitting to share a kind of Christmas story. So a couple of years back, as again some of you will know, Mero appeared in an ad for Tesco. And the idea of the ad was that the participants would pen a letter to, to a loved one telling them what made Christmas special and what they meant to them. Meryl's letter was to his granny and granddad. When he found out when the ad was going to be on, he raced up to their house, got them around the telly. They had no idea. They knew nothing about it. Got them around the telly and he sticks on Emmerdale. So they had to sit through a bit of Emmerdale. But there in the first ad break, uh, in full high definition glory, appears Mero. And in all the excitement and disbelief and trying to find out what was going on, they didn't hear the word he was saying. And he missed the entire ad. So uh, another 15 minutes of Jesus Emmerdale had to be sat through. But when the ad came on a second time, this time they heard every word he said. Uh, emotions were high. There was a few tears shed. There was smiles everywhere, a few laughs, a couple of nervous coughs from Graham's granddad. But the sentiment of everything he he had put in that letter, uh, that shone true. So popular, in fact, was the sentiment that uh, people were approaching Linda and Ray when they were out and about and asking could they spend Christmas at their house this year. Uh, I'm, I'm no expert, but I reckon the cheese board as well sealed the deal there. Cheese board and Ballybrack. They were ahead of their time. They were ahead of their time. Um, so look, it's it's a tough one, and I know Linda and Ray were were loved by so so many, and I know with such a wide circle of fans and a family that loved uh, loved them dearly, they'll be missed. And I know anyone who knew Linda would you know, only have great and kind things to say about what a wonderful woman she was. So to all the Clarks, the Merrigans and anyone who knew her, I'm really sorry for your loss and I hope you're doing okay. This episode of What's the Story podcast is dedicated to Linda Clark. Shine on Linda. What's the Story podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped has taken over the world and is now available in all of Europe. For our listeners in Ireland, the UK and all across Europe, you can now purchase Manscaped products. So get yourself the right tools for your family jewels. 
we're all friends here. Let's let's be a little bit honest with each other. We've all tried to give ourselves a little tidy up, probably using the scissors and going delicately around the edges. Some of us might have tried a different razor that nicked us or scratched us. Some of us might have even ventured into the world of hair removal cream, which probably left your tallywhacker on fire, irritation and itch, and you praying you never have to go through that again. And ladies, I'm not just talking to the lads here. If you're sick of your fella stuff, looking like an angry Rastafarian, then Manscaped is what you need. The Lawnmower 3.0 electric trimmer is the greatest male grooming trimmer on the planet. If you haven't tried it yet, you're missing out. This third generation trimmer is waterproof. It features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce those grooming accidents we talked about and the battery will last up to 90 minutes. The good news is the Lawnmower 3.0 is included in Manscaped's Perfect Package 3.0 kit. That kit also includes Crop Preserver, otherwise known as their Ball Deodorant. It also comes with Crop Reviver, Manscaped's own Ball Toner. Use these on your boys below the waist and you're going to feel refreshed and ready for anything. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with their Shed Travel Bag and Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs to complement not only their Perfect Package, but your package too. Head on over to manscaped.com and put in the code WTSPOD to get 20% off your order and free shipping. Yeah, that's right. 20% off your order and free shipping when you use the code WTSPOD at manscaped.com. Head on over, check it out. Your balls will thank you. Hello everybody and welcome to this very, 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 very special Christmas special of What's the Story podcast. My name is Danny Murray. And I'm Graham Merrigan. How are you, Graham? Are you doing alright? Yep, as good as well as can be. Good man, good man. Uh, we will, of course, go to our two, uh, our two, at this point they are just our best Correspondents. Friends. I think they're, they're more than correspondents at this point, but before we bring them in, we just need to give a little nod to people who may be... And actually, I might ask Gary's opinion on this as well. Gary Mackle, of course, being the love doctor. Uh, people who need to avail of male grooming products can, of course, go to manscaped.com and put in WTS pod and get 20% off. And free shipping. And for good man, Gary, and free shipping. For your, for your ball toner and your ball deodorant as well. Exactly. Yeah, the right tools for your family jewels, all at manscaped.com. Christmas doesn't have to be, you know, doesn't have to be hairy, lads. Doesn't have to be hairy. <laughs> I will never. There I will never. When you get ever. the package, you open the package, and there is a ball toner and ball deodorant. Yeah, yeah. I got your package. We talk about that in a minute. It arrived in the post, and the dog, the dog got at it. But I'll talk to you about the dog as well during the course of the evening. It's been going on with him. <laughs> 
Excellent. Um, so, yeah, this this is our Christmas special. And uh, as a tradition, Paul Howard is joining us as always. So, Paul, great to see you again. And this, and, this is Christmas for me, you know. Especially it. this year, because it's, it's not like I can go out or anything. <laughs> true. It's very true. <laughs> Gary hasn't left the house in six months. Oh. Well, listen, I, t- I, I was on uh, during the summer... Uh, during actually it was yeah during during the lockdown the first lockdown uh, I, w- I went out and I was driving to, I was driving to Dublin and I had to sign I had to sign a thousand copies of the of the new Ross O'Carroll Kelly book uh, this was during the summer actually and I had to sign a thousand copies of Bray Watch and I was driving in the, the it was in Easons in the warehouse uh, so I was driving along the beach road and a fella a guard pulled me up and he and and I stopped you know and I'd say it was about it was about 23 or something, like straight out of Temple Moor, you know, looked about 18. And he said to me, uh, do you mind me asking where you're going? And I said, yeah, I'm actually going to work. And he said, uh, what, what do you work at? And I said, uh, I'm a writer. And he just looked, he looked at me as if I, like, <laughs> you know, as if I said, like, I'm, I'm, in, I'm injuring animals for pet hospital or something like, you know. And uh, I said, uh, yeah, I'm a writer. And he said, and I'm um, sure where would you be going then? And I said, I'm going to Eason's to sign copies of my new book. And he just looked at me and he said, now, would you consider that vital work? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say back, Paul? The fucker. I, he made me feel about two inches fucking tall. Like I was like I was re I was reassessing my fucking life sitting there in the car talking to this guy thinking, no, it's not. Actually, it's not vital work. Nothing I do is of any importance or merit whatsoever. And I took a guard, a 23-year-old guard, right, who was <laughs> born during Italian 90, uh, to tell me uh, that, I, that essentially I'm wasting my life. So, big crossroads for me now coming up. <laughs> you, it sounds like you faced on the beach road. It sounds like what? You faced the, your... Cr- your life at a crossroads on the beach road. Yeah, yeah. The, the beach road is my road to Damascus now this year. Uh, <laughs> this is the Pauline conversion is happening on the beach road. Like, I was just looking. And I was going. And then I was thinking about all the people doing all this vital work in, in hospitals. Like, Mary's got a couple of friends and their doctor is like, you know, and they're putting their lives on the line every day. And, and like, I'm, I'm just fucking driving to a warehouse to sit in me, like... <laughs> jeans and sign books was it it was very humbling like you know really humbling it was kind of i haven't been so humbled since the day i was signing books in the black rock shopping center and a woman came up to me and and said to me i've just realized who you are i said all right i was signing a book i was called the curious incident of the dog in the nightdress and she said i'm a huge fan of yours and my husband absolutely loves your stuff as well like thanks very much so she says um uh I ha- can I just ask you one question? How do you know so much about Asperger's syndrome? So she thought I was the fellow who wrote the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime, right? <laughs> and instead of just saying, instead of just saying, we got the wrong guy, right? I I was kind of, I was embarrassed for her, but then I was also kind of liking the praise as well, right? So I just kind of went, ah, you know, do a lot of research on the internet and all that kind of thing. So I'm fucking, I'm taking this praise that's meant for this author, Mark Adden, right? And then, and I think, well, she she walks off, and I think, well, God, thank God, that was would have been embarrassing now. And she came back to me with the phone, and she said, "Would you mind talking to my husband?" Right? <laughs> and she puts me on the 
She puts me, she says, you'll never guess who's here. Yeah, Mark Haddon. He's here. He's here in Blackrock. I don't know how he's here. He's just here. He's signing books. He's sitting in the corner signing books. So she hands me the phone and I'm chatting to the, oh, Mark, listen, it's fantastic. I love the book. And and uh, I'm chatting away about Asperger syndrome, about which I knew nothing. And, um, and, then, and then as if that wasn't bad enough, the woman started walking around the shop telling other customers, Mark Haddon is over here. The old <laughs> curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. I thought I'd never get out like and eventually I just I created a diversion and just you know headed for the door but they were the two times in my life 15 years apart when I when I said uh, it has to change you know you can't go into another year I'm 50 in January I can't go into a new year uh, oh the big 5-0 oh yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. The big five zero, and you I can't even really celebrate, Pa. Or fifty, Pa. Was sorry, say it again, Gary. I thought it was twenty twenty two. That you hit fifty. No, no, tw- next year, tw- sixth oh. January. Yeah, yeah, sixth oh. January. Yeah. How do you feel about the big five zero, Pa? Um, I don't, I don't mind actually. I was, I was, oh, I was unbelievably uh, depressed about turning forty, uh, but I kind of think once you turn forty. We're all the same age. Like after 40, it doesn't matter if you're 40 or 42 or 50 or 56 or whatever. Like, you know, you're still, you're just doing a daily tot of your, of all the things that are wrong with you, you know, like your back, <laughs> your, like my back went last year. Like, you know, my eyesight's gone. I can't read. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm my dad now. I, when I see like, thing, when I'm re- trying to read the microwave instructions on soup or something like that, I'm saying, are they printing this smaller? And I can hear my dad saying that when I was like, you know, look at the size of that print. And Mary just comes up with her 2020 vision and just goes, oh, yeah, three minutes in the microwave. But I can't see. Uh, my back is totally banjoed. Uh, you know, I, I put on about a stone during the COVID crisis. Like, you know, like just. So I suppose I, uh, I'm kind of looking at 50 going, like you know, it's kind of the same as forty, but it's just you know, a year closer. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and Gary, uh, it's 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 Gary's birthday today as we're recording. Uh, Gary, happy birthday! I, I didn't know that. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. happy birthday. Gary's yeah. torn. Gary's torn in forty. Well, me bother. So two years ago, I turned forty. Jesus, you you bits of kids, you don't know you're born. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what did you do for your birthday, Gary? Well, not a whole lot, because the schools are functional, unfortunately. So uh, it was a bit of a shit show here today because, well, school runs and all that, and then there was a Zoom call to Sandy at half five. How, how did that go, Gary? It was actually very good, in fairness. Your man was very good. Uh, €35 Euro for 10 minutes. These these cunts are creaming it. Jesus, a stripper wouldn't uh, charge you that. No, uh, but it was very good. You... you Actually, I don't know who's around, so I won't say. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine, yeah. But no, it was very good. Uh, it was exceptionally dear and a bit <laughs> off, but it was very good. The, the main man lived up to the bill, though, did he? Yeah, he was clearly from Finglas, but he don't have that. <laughs> 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 The only person in Finglas with an iPad uh, dressed up the Santee gentleman managed to find them. <laughs> Oh God! 
That's we um as as part of this because normally we'd be doing this all together, but we we can't at the moment. Uh, Merlo has gone on hold there. I think he his finger slipped. Did it? Jesus, are you are you back? He's back. Right. Anyway, as part of it, because normally we'd be together in the same room and we'd uh we'd give you a little gift. Uh, so this year we had to get a little bit creative. Um, now Gary, yours is intact, but Paul, you were saying. You were saying that yours has come uh, come into some difficulty. Yeah, I, I don't know what's in it. Look, Mary Mary came home and Humphrey was going at it. Like, it was left in the hall, you know, and, okay. and uh, Humphrey was going at it. But he's not been, he's not been, uh, he's not been in great form like the last two weeks, you know. Uh, Did I see he had a surgery recently? Yeah, he had a facelift. Okay. And is yeah. he looking younger? Well... I think he still looks the same, but I don't want to say it to him. You know, because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was just tired of like other younger, better looking dogs getting all the big movie roles. And, um, you know, there are not a lot of there are not a lot of sort of strong male lead parts for dogs uh, of 10 years of age, you know. So he had this surgery. What really happened was it, 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 his eyelid was kind of turning in. Um, and his his lashes were scratching his cornea, so it was kind of glaucoma, like is essentially mm. what he had. Um, so the vet the vet uh, said it's easy enough, like you know. He said I just it is a facelift, like you just cut the cut the eyelid and then sew it up, pull it back and sew yes. it up, you know. So he did that. It's it's kind of nice because he blinks symmetrically now. Like he used to bring that like one eye used to blink faster than the other, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he'd be kind of it was like he was winking at you the whole time you know? <laughs> doing a bit of that you know but where's he asleep now he's asleep now yeah 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 he has to wear the cone you know the cone of shame we got one with windows in the side of it a soft one which has windows in it so he can kind of see peripherally uh i think the thing that drives dogs mad about it is two things well they can't see out of the sides and they can't sniff the ground and yeah. humphrey won't Humphrey won't piss until he can actually smell the ground. So I bring him out for a Graham, walk. Graham, you're like that, aren't you? And he's crossing yeah. his legs. <laughs> he can't. He can't pee. And uh, so I whip the thing off him, and uh, and he'll do it then, you know. But I had a I had an eye operation, so I kind of know a little bit what he's going through. Like when I was about when I was about twenty, uh, I had I was cross-eyed when I was younger, you know, like a proper like proper turning me eye. Like, so, like, this eye was looking at you, and this eye was, like, going for the bus. And I went to the hospital, <laughs> and they took, they took the whole eyeball out, right? And they just sort of tightened up the muscles at the back, and then they then they just popped it in, you know? But I was telling a friend of mine about... Actually, we were talking about this in, the, in quite recently with this friend of mine, Jenny, from Shankill. And I was saying... I said to her when we were kids, I said to her, I'm having this operation, but... You know, don't tell anyone. Like, I just want to keep it. I just want to keep it quiet. Like, you know, I was having it in St. Michael's Hospital in Dunleary. And she told everyone in Lawrence's, right? And I'd say there was about 45 people in the ward when I was, <laughs> when I came to after the operation. They were all crowding around the bed, including lads I hadn't spoken to since first year. Like, you know, everybody just wanted to go and see Howard with his eye out. But they... <laughs> So I kind of know a little bit of what Humphrey went through. He was, he, I was mad cranky after I got it done, but he was like a demon. You know? So anyway, 
Good long story short, he went at the box, right? But right. I, I don't know what's in it. Mary kind of patched it together a bit <laughs> with some sellotape. Uh, so it will be a surprise when I open it. Okay. All right. Well, the, the two boxes have very similar contents. I think there's one item that's different. Well, I, so, I was going to say, so if you just want to go ahead and start now, I, I, there, there is about three tonne of sellotape on it because we are very nervous that... Uh, Not anymore. <laughs> thanks to Humphrey for giving you a head start. Um <laughs> Oh, this is very exciting. So, uh, yeah. All right. Do, we, do you want, will we just open them, yeah? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, go ahead. Gar- Gary, you're all right with that knife now, aren't you? you, you somebody yeah. supervising you, do you? I do. So, I yeah, felt so. what Humphrey was looking for. Herrera <laughs> Roche. Oh, lads, seriously, oh, the three flavours. Like, I wasn't expecting that. So, this, here, here we go now, gorgeous, right? So isn't it, Gary? So, so I can only see Paul's reaction. I can't see Gary's reaction. Well, please, I'm delighted with that. Thank you very much. Jeez, oh, yeah. a, a Hendrix. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that, lads. Well, you're the official correspondent, so we have to look yeah. after you, Gary. You know, Jeez, uh, now, and so much. And what what you'll find in there now, Gary, is there's a, a special device for your uh, cucumber, which I've been told goes with gin. Okay. Uh, yeah, Paul. So that's the difference. Yeah. So Gary's but, on gin. Paul's yeah, on. Uh, that is uh, Irish whiskey. I love it. Absolutely love that. Lovely, lovely. Thanks for that. Box. Yeah, well, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without a selection box, Gar, would it? Love jelly tots and milky bars. Thank you so much. Ah, uh, what's the story, Mask? I love there it. There you go. Hey, <laughs> did you get one of them? <laughs> love it. Uh, now, we, we, we can't confirm if they're uh, medically sound or not. So, uh, <laughs> right. Is there a vaccine in here? Uh, <laughs> that, that's coming separately. <laughs> I have a... Uh, match attacks... Can I open me match of tax cards? Yeah, I want to see if you get a shiny, you'll see. All right, I'll give you the shiny if I get it right. Okay. <laughs> ah, for God's sake, you knew, didn't you? <laughs> He's got the annoyed crest. That is David That was the hay I got. Ah, oh, gee, right, well, let's, let's set about him the better at the I've moment. I've got to play that tune, uh, Disney team. That, sh- that should be in both. Now, the, the reason we got you that was because, one... No Christmas is complete without a shit game of some description. But but two, I figured you'd be just able to drive people mad playing the kazoo. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, play that tune. Ah, oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah. Look, Gary, that, that mask looks lovely on you, Gar. Thank you very much. This is unbelievable. Ah, lads, 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 lads. A, a snack box. A selection box. Oh, brilliant. I fucking love them. <laughs> oh, that, which is your favourite of the Ferrero Rochers? Ah, uh, lads, thank you so much. You sounded like Father Damo there, Gary. <laughs> Gary, do you have a favourite Ferrero Rocher? You'll, you'll, you'll probably... Cre- I, I, obviously, the original one is my favourite, but I have huge time for the Raffaellos. Yeah, me too. Yeah, like, I love them. Yeah. Yeah. I'd buy the three packs now if I was at the, when I go out to Dunce. You're better off buying Marsh. It's a fucking three packs about three euro. You get 18 of them for six. But you can't eat them alone. They're like crack cocaine. Like, I have to be on the pipe all the time when I have them in the house. (laughs) (laughs) This is amazing because I love the selection box, right? Because there's a milky bar in it, right? Love milky bar. And my my nickname at one point was the milky bar kid, right? And anybody who's ever worn glasses in their lives, right? Especially uh, untrendy glasses, will know that you, you're liable to be called either Joe 90 or a Milky Bar Kid. And I was called both, right? But there was a famous high court, 
there was a famous high court case in Dublin uh, about 23 years ago where Steve Collins uh, was being sued by Barry Hearn uh, for, for breach of contract, right? And during the course of his cross-examination, he was asked about this book he wrote. And he said, well, you know, I, I, that really wasn't my book. That was Paul Howard wrote that book. And they said, well, he, he ghost wrote it for you. And he said, yeah, yeah, but, but he really wrote it. You know, he's a journalist, I know. I call him the Milky Bar Kid, right? This was he said that. Right? And, and the next day in the Indo, across eight columns, right, uh, there's a quote from Steve Collins, and it just said, my book was written by the Milky Bar Kid. Like, <laughs> oh, it took me about five years to live it down, like, you know? Oh, no. Did you fall out with him, Paul? Ah, yeah, yeah. You fall out with everybody. If you if you go write a book for someone, it's kind of it's part of the deal that you eventually fall out. You know, we fell out. Ah, uh, yeah, pretty badly around. Uh, just before the court case, yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, yeah, it was kind of complicated. He he was suing he was suing Barry Hearn for for uh, oh, Barry Hearn was suing him for breach of contract because he just broken his contract with him and. Steve was claiming justification and breaking the contract because Barry Hearn wasn't acting in his right in, in his um, best interest as manager. So the only problem for Steve was that he'd written this book in which he talked about how Barry was the best manager in the world and how he changed his life and everything. So Steve had to put distance between himself and the book, which meant saying that I wrote the book, you know, even though he got all the money from <laughs> I got a grand or something for writing it, you know, um, <laughs> He had to basically say it was nothing to do with him and that I wrote it, you know. But anyway, I mean, that was fair enough. I understood that. But he didn't have to call me the Milky Bar Kid in the high court. (laughs) (laughs) I remember going into work at the Tribune the next day and somebody had put a big pile of Milky Bars on my desk and I never found out, never fucking found out who it was. That'd be called bullying now. In them days, it was was banter, you know. But I ate them. You and Paki are still good mates, Paul. Yeah, and me and me and Roddy are great mates as well. Like you know, uh, I, I, I like you know, I kind of known the family for a long, long time. And like me and Steve fell out, but I mean, I don't know if we're still on bad terms because I, I just haven't seen him for twenty three years. You know, I mean, I doubt very much if he gets up every morning and thinks about me. So, and I don't really think about him when I see a milky bar. I do. Uh, but, um, <laughs> well done, Danny. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's my own that. Then, uh, <laughs> Danny, I find that I find that selection box very triggering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that anyway. was a nice anecdote about uh, you and Steve Collins. I didn't know of. Yeah, same, same. Um, yeah, Paul, I, I showed I showed Warren and Paul on that. Uh, that bottle of whiskey, there's a load of bubble wrap around it inside. So just if you open it, okay. <laughs> don't think we just stuffed it up because we didn't want it to break. So okay. Just, yeah. Uh, uh, thanks for the cards as well, lads. That's fantastic. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm delighted now. Thank you very much. still cards. So, so, so Merry Christmas from the two of us, lads. And thanks, thanks for entertaining us and our listeners over all the years. Thank you very much. Um, so I, th- I think, Gary, did you open your... I want to see, did you get a shiny or not in your match attacks? I got um, that young lad off Dortmund, uh, Giovanni Reina. I've no idea who he is. Young and creative midfielder. Um, his father uh, played for City years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Claudio Reina, I think. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I know that name. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. I remember that name. Yeah, that's his dad. Uh, the mother left the family for a lifeguard down in Cartown. A life down in Cartown. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Circa 2004. Yeah. That's. I, I, now, I have to say now, I've, I, I know two people who ran off of lifeguards in Cartown previously. So that's, <laughs> there, must be, there must be something in the water. What? <laughs> must be the names, I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. Mero, I think it's uh, because he was barking there, so Mero's gone to attend to the dog. But um, it's. it's uh, Gary, you're, you're on the Guinness tonight as well, aren't you? Yeah, well, I, I wasn't going to drink, but then I was made aware that you were having one, so I said, fuck it, I'd have a drink. And it See, is the birthday, so I said, fuck it. Well, this is it. So it's the first time we've had a Christmas podcast where I don't have to drive home afterwards. So I've decided I am going <laughs> to. I am going to. And I'm not, I, I don't have a work Christmas party this year. I don't, so this effectively is my work Christmas party, lads. So at some point tonight, I'll need somebody to get drunk enough that they'll strip and shout something at the manager. Yeah. <laughs> Are you copy in your arse at all, or do you have do you have such equipment? It would need to be a big photocopier, Paul. But if there's one going, I'll do it. A three. That would that would make an ugly poster, wouldn't it? Max it to head office in Belgium. Oh yeah, the ghost of Christmas parties past. <laughs> What's oh the God. what's the most disgrace? I know you're supposed to ask the questions, but what's the most disgracefully you've ever behaved at a Christmas party? And at Christmas parties, I'm actually I'm very conscious of my surrounding weddings. I tend to get I I, I have wedding drunk. I, I love being wedding drunk. Mm. Christmas parties, I'm very very conscious of my surroundings though, so I I tend to behave myself. Yeah, uh, yeah. Gary, you're so, the same, are you? I uh, I have an awful history at weddings, but we were at we were at, <laughs> we were at this wedding uh, <laughs> friends of ours, and as is tradition, the the uh, the the bride's father was buying around a drink, and uh, they come over to take the order at our table. It was twelve at the table, and I said twelve Jaeger box. <laughs> and uh, you could see the looks across the room. But karma is a bitch because I was standing on a table dancing, and a bottle of wine in my hand, and I fell off the table, and the bottle of wine smashed me two from two two little chips. Um. But Christmas party misbehaviour. Now, I actually, I think I've only ever went to one Christmas do in, in the company I'm in. Um, I'm just not into it. You know, I'm not. You, mm. I've enough friends about going to a, a fucking Christmas do, pretending to like people that I think are fucking. I wouldn't leave in charge of a packet of Skittles. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you think that as you get older, when you're in your twenties and you're working in an office or whatever, you go to every social outing. And then as you get to your early 30s or mid 30s, you're kind of going, nah, being, being to one, you've been to them all. There's, there's, I, I, I haven't really, at Christmas parties, I haven't really ha- have any those type of stories. But certainly from colleagues watching on, you're kind of going, is so-and-so married? <laughs> oh, yeah, there's been a few of those all right now, yeah. Um, Sunday Tribune Christmas parties <clears throat> back in the day, like it, it was like the last days of the Roman Empire, like, you know? Like it, they they were in McGrattan's in the lane, just off Baggett Street there, this restaurant, and like I was I was about seventeen when I went to my first Christmas. I was very young, like I was a very I was a very fucking wet behind the ears young lad, like you know I didn't know I didn't know the half of what went on in the world, and these people were all liberals, like you know the Tribune was a liberal paper, and the the people were very liberal, 
especially with their, <laughs> with their marriage vows, you know. And I remember, I just remember the first, like, just seeing like, like people who were my parents' age getting off with each other, just awful, <laughs> you know. Like, and the, and the, the big song, I remember um, uh, a Christmas song you don't hear anymore for obvious reasons, but but Gary Glitter's Rock and Roll Christmas, like, you know, a great Christmas song. You can't say that now because you get cancelled, but it, it was a banging tune. And uh, I remember one, I remember be, dancing on the dance floor to that, like a little bit drunk, like, because I couldn't really hold me drink. I was about 17 or something, you know, and I was wearing blue Stratos and thought I was it, you know, and I was dancing away. <laughs> Blue I just looked around, right? And everybody else on the dance floor was getting off with someone. I was the only one dancing <laughs> to, to this song. And it, like all these people, like these, a lot of them were old, like just getting off with each other. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty, pretty eye opening for, for a young lad from uh, a sheltered background, like, you know. <laughs> but um, I have to tell you about this fellow I know. He's amazing, right? He is. Uh, the HR department's biggest headache, right? He just like it's like they this company he works for, it's like they created HR just for him, right? <laughs> but what's great about him is he he goes to them and declares his fouls before anyone complains, right? So, which I think it's like kind of saying, you know, it's like it's like the time Robbie Fowler said to the referee, David Seaman didn't foul didn't foul me. I you know, I just jumped over him to avoid him and tried to persuade the referee not to give him a penalty. Uh, this guy, he goes to HR and he says, listen, I was out in the pub on Friday night. I made a couple of comments that might have been a bit over the line to, you know, Helen from accounts. I'm only saying it now just in case, in case it comes up, you know. And he said, and they love him in HR. He's the most charming guy. No one's ever complained about him. But they have to keep telling him no, that that's not what HR is for. Like, it's not like VAR. <laughs> <laughs> where we where we where we all sit down and discuss the incident right you know if somebody complains about you we will take it very very seriously but you can't you can't kind of try to you know offset the complaint process by declaring it and saying yeah no hands up before anyone says anything that was me it's it's not a bad show to try and you know that old tactic of I'll get ahead of it if I get ahead of it mm. then you know I like that style. Gary, what shots uh, are you drinking there, Danny? Uh, they're, they're Jack Daniels. So I was saying to Gary before we start recording, a uh, friend of mine and listener of the show, Anthony O'D, um, himself and uh, Owen Ward sent me a little Christmas presents. And uh, it's a lot of Jack Daniels, essentially. So I'm, um, I'm indulging. And they're delicious. There you go. I can't, uh, <laughs> I, I can't drink whiskey. I, I can't even smell it. I just... <laughs> I can't deal with it. The other half doesn't let you drink whiskey, is that right, Gary? Well, there was an incident circa 2010, all right, as well, which didn't help me. Are, are you allowed to disclose? I, I, I'd rather not. <laughs> if, if Gary Michael is saying he'd rather not, then there's a good chance we're better off not knowing. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was awful behaviour. Yeah, something that I, I'm not proud of. Oh, not right, I right. didn't hit her now or anything. Jeez, I'd never. Do that. <laughs> Nobody suggested you did, Gar. <laughs> I could see everyone going, "Fucking hell, he baits his missus." <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll get we'll get the we'll get the lawyers to look over that one, Gar, before we let that go out. Don't worry. Carol, she's still still out in Baker Street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what that just reminded me of? That that thing about baiting your missus. 
uh, when we were in school, right, we had this teacher in Archbishop McQuaid National School in Lachlanstown. We had this teacher called PJ Barry. Oh, yes. And he was a great teacher. And I met him in January this year, actually. Uh, and I hadn't seen him in like 30 something years, you know, 37 years or something. Anyway, but he used to say to us in school, remember you'd be writing your essay in school or you'd be writing a short story. And it always ended up, it always ended with, and then I went home and me ma bait the head off me, right? <laughs> and this became a problem, right? Because uh, PJ had some sense that he, he was kind of getting an insight into what our lives might be like at home and that there might be some onus on him to report uh, uh, abuse if it was happening, even in a short story, you know? So anyway, he had this, he called, uh, he, he had this sort of parent-teacher meeting, called all the parents in, and he told all of our mothers to tell us if we're writing a short story, never to write about getting beat, getting the head bait off us at home. Uh, <laughs> in case he took it literally and felt he had to inform social services. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what that just reminded me of. He, um, PJ Barry was the principal of the school when I was going through it. And uh, he, my, my last memory of him, be everybody remembers the day a dog gets into the school and there's fucking commotion everywhere. Pandemonium. Absolute fucking right. near, near riots. Near yeah. riots. Um it was only it was only made worse by PJ Barry chasing said dog with a fucking whirl in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> it was spectacular because he was he was a tall, quite a tall man. Like yeah. So when you're a kid he seems much bigger and much more imposing. But this dog was making him look like a fucking clown, you know? Yeah. And um 20, 20 minutes, Miss Bell couldn't get us back attention on the board or anything. We were gone for the day. That was it. It was a write off after that. You're mad chasing the dog. It's like it's like you see the stewards chasing a streaker or a pit a pitch invader at the football. Don't he's gonna make a fool of at least six of you and the seventh one will catch you. We'll catch him, you know. <laughs> But just leave him to do his thing, like, you know? It's like, it's like that clip. But remember years ago, the clip, Fenton! Oh, yeah. What was that? Chased, your man chasing a dog in the park. Ago, I think it was one of the first spoiler clips ever, where your man is chasing his dog through all the deer. He, was it, man, what, what's, his name, what's his name, Danny? What's the dog's name? Fenton or something? Fenton, yeah. So your man has a dog for a walk in some park in the UK. <laughs> yeah. And he lets him off the lead. But there's a herd of deer you know, a couple of hundred yards away. But the dog obviously goes, they're there for me. I'm going after them. So the dog takes the run and your man's going after him and all you can hear is, Fenton! Fenton! <laughs> Jesus Christ, Fenton! <laughs> it's brilliant. It, it, that, that's, that's going a, a good while now. But if uh, if you haven't seen it before, just if you look up Fenton dog, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh, it's classic yeah. There's a dog in our estate called Nazareth. What? Nazareth. Nazareth. Yeah. As in the Bible, Nazareth. Yeah. And uh, I thought, it, I said, that has to be Lazarus. But I nearly follow your one to find out. But it's Nazareth. Really? Unbelievable. Does the dog look holy, Gar? No, it's Jack Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like an outsider. <laughs> <laughs> the hairs are very randy, aren't they? Uh, they're they're an awful old yoke. It, it's I like quite like them, but not in not in the way they like me. Yeah, <laughs> they be up your they're leg, you know. They're the mill wall of dogs. 
Yeah. Bill Wall of Dogs. They're gurriers that they're into everything. Uh, they they spray the odor into a bag and snort it. They're just scumbags. <laughs> But the randiness is the thing I can't get over. Like, you could be getting on very well with the dog, you know, platonically, just sort of petting it and stuff. And then the next mm. thing, he takes that as a signal, like, you know, and mm. he's up on your leg. But they're very... The lipstick comes out. The, lip, the little doggy lipstick. And it's very hard to discourage a Jack Russell when he's, you know, mm. you know, feeling amorous. Mm. Uh, but I did... My cousin had a Jack Russell, and he was fixed to my leg once. And I was trying to get him... I was trying to... You know, <laughs> let him down gently. To my leg. <laughs> and his his little, you know, his eyes. He had his eyes shut, you know, and his little head was back like that. <laughs> <laughs> he was absolutely, you know, getting bed into me, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't kind of calm him down, you know. He was just too passionate. So I, I sort of swung my leg. And the poor little thing went flying across the room like he, he fucking jet lagged when he landed. <laughs> <laughs> he hit the wall. <laughs> and then I heard, <laughs> and then he, he gave me a white berth after that. Anytime I walk into the room, he just sort of look at me, you know. But um it was kind of, it was a kind of a kind of canine me too moment, I suppose. <laughs> Paul, did you get did you get home free neutered? Oh, Jesus, yeah, yeah. I mean, because whatever about a stranger's dog trying to hump your leg, your own dog trying to hump your leg, you, I would never feel the same about him, like, you know? You couldn't. Did he get his rock and roll before you got him neutered? No, no. Actually, as it happens, uh, we, 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 knew, we got him neutered at home because uh, Mary's brother is a vet, and he did it on our coffee table, actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> A bit like it. Don't, I've don't never really enjoyed drinking coffee on it since, you know, because <laughs> well, Mary acted as scrub nurse to her brother, uh, and Humphrey was out for the count on the. T- I mean, they did. He knocked him out first, like he'd have all that stuff, you know. And uh, he he took his balls, and then he sewed them up, right? And this is the worst <laughs> bit, right? Like he opened the back door and he and he threw his balls out into a hedge, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and because he's a vet, like, so he, he doesn't get, like, I'd have buried them. I'd have buried them and had a little, uh, made a speech or something, a little oration. Uh, but he wouldn't get, he wouldn't get kind of passionate, but like, he wouldn't get kind of uh, sentimental about the dog's know. balls. To him, they're just awful. Like, it's just meat, you know? <laughs> so when he got his balls into the hedge, what's that? Did he not ask you if you wanted them? If I wanted to keep, no, I mean, I, I I kept my tonsils when I had them out, but I never really found a use for them. And I just suspect <laughs> Humphrey's balls would probably be gathering dust, much like them, you know. So, but he, but the problem was, Gary, he threw them in the hedge. And I just kept thinking, what if Humphrey finds his balls? What if he eats? <laughs> what if, like, there's, there's him eating them? That's one prospect, right? But what if he finds them and goes and realizes what's happened to him? Mm. Uh, so I had to go out at night. And, and look for them in the, in the hedge. And I found them. I did find them, you know. But I didn't feel the urge to keep them. Like, I did... Uh, what did I, you do with them? Oh, I think I put them in the bin. I did, actually. I, I wrapped them in one of his little baggies for the for his for his poo. And uh, I, I put them in the bin. Why did he throw them in the hedge, Pop? Um, I think because vets are um, desensitised to that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like he would be, like he'd be, he would be pulling like calves out of 
out of cows every day, like, you know, and doing all yeah. sorts of stuff to horses and stuff like so I kind of think it's like, you know, the way you know the way doctors are just not sentimental about stuff. You know, the way like, you know, you you're in a hospital and you kind of expect some TLC from the doctor and he's just like very matter of fact. Like for Anchor, you know the way for Anchor is just very, you know, fucking tough shit like this is what it's like, you know. Don't, don't be ruining it. Don't be red ruining Christmas with the V word. When you mentioned that he just <laughs> he uh, he carried the procedure one nil to Liverpool by the way. Ah, uh, that's listen. This has made my Christmas. Oh man, Graham. <laughs> um, he's he's like fucking Chris Camara there giving us the updates. <laughs> uh, when you mentioned that he he just had the operation on the table, it just a, a mate of mine is Jewish and he uh, explained to me that as a baby when circumcised, <laughs> it happens on in the family home. It's a big. Yeah. Ceremony thing in the family yeah. on the kitchen table, and I was just like, "Fucking really? Hell. Yeah, yeah." That it's like it's it's part of the the whole thing where uh, take your pullover off you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I I, I I forgot the word rabbi there. I was going to say that that the knight comes in and does the deed, but uh, I might be insulting to our Jewish listeners. But, yeah. I had to ask my mother in the last three years if I was circumcised. And she said I wasn't. And Could she, you not tell yourself? No, but this is where I'm going. Like, it, it, I grew up thinking that I was. And you, you learn about circumcision and biology and all that. And I said, Jesus, I, you know, along the road, obviously I must have been circumcised or whatever. And I don't know how it came up. And, and I said, sure, I was, I was circumcised. And mother says, no, you weren't. So I was. She said, Carrie, you weren't. But somebody circumcised me somewhere. I think it might have been Dr. <laughs> because there's he's been up to all sorts of shit, I'm told. <laughs> definitely, definitely beeping his name out of this. But, uh, <laughs> I remember this is true as God. I remember I was about five or six and I was in Dr. I don't know what was wrong with me. I don't know why I was there. But he definitely stuck his finger up my arse. 110%. <laughs> I'm telling you now. That's a prostate exam. At six? <laughs> oh, six. All right. Okay. Yeah. On my word of honor. I can still feel me, myself wincing when, when I think of it. Anyway, sorry, Christmas special. <laughs> I think we're all going to need something out of our selection boxes after that. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Jesus. Don't, don't uh, take a Twix, because there's two fingers in that. <laughs> Just as well it's not a fucking Kit Kat, Gary. Jesus. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't a, a patient at that particular doctor. I was. I was the other well-known who, um, thankfully, didn't didn't give any uh, digital exams. At who least was not the doctor. Doctor. Oh yeah, open open uh, road there. Uh, no, he was opposite. Yeah. That, we used to call that estate posh. Land. Actually, we used to call every estate. That wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't <laughs> 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 Poshland, you know what I mean? Like, they, 
It'd be just like an ordinary three-bedroom house, you know, and you'd just be hating on the people fucking pushies. <laughs> we, when we lived in Ashland and uh, we were moving to Whiteville, my uncle Ray is like, no way, I'm not fucking moving to Poshland, and no way am I moving to, to Whiteville, fuck that. And he went to school one day and uh, he came back and we were gone. The neighbours had to tell him they'd moved to Whiteville. They didn't tell him. Because he kept protesting, I'm not moving to Poshland. Don't don't itinerants have a similar culture, Graham? Um, they do up sticks, yeah. And if somebody dies, um, they don't they they burn the caravan. Uh, if somebody dies in the caravan, they 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 burn the caravan because that, yeah. that that happened. Oh really? In Ballybrack, yeah. They burn they hmm. burned the caravan. The granny died in the caravan. They burned it, and it set fire to the house because it was parked. It was parked in front of the house. It was a big incident in our childhood. Everybody turned up to watch hmm. the. To watch the house burn, you know, Jesus. but it was a terraced house, like so. But like there was two or three houses, like the, the whole terrace nearly went up on in, on fire, you know. And uh, but they just went in the night. They were our friends, like we used to play football with them and everything, you know. And then they just they just went in the night, and they were the council was trying to persuade them to settle. Uh, th- there was this sort of well-meaning but probably badly judged policy in the 70s and 80s where the council thought if we give travelers houses uh they their children might get used to living in a house and we might be able to settle them rather than just saying well look you know give them halting sites and let them move around you know so they were trying to get them to settle in houses but the big problem was i think we talked about this before hastings father hastings wouldn't let them go to the school yeah uh, so they couldn't educate the kids so even though, you know, like they were our friends and everything, we played football with them, they weren't allowed to go to school with us. And uh, and they just upped and left in the night. Like, you know, we never said goodbye to them. Right? It was just like they were gone. You know, the house the house was just empty. Yeah. It's funny, cause I remember we had, we had uh, John Connors on this podcast a long time ago. And one of the things he said was that, like, they, they don't want, like, it's the whole thing, like you were saying, it's kind of like uh, settling was almost forced on them. They yeah, want it. they don't want it, like you know. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I'm, it's I'm mad that a priest wouldn't give a kid an education, isn't it? Oh, listen, I mean, if you go back, if you go back and read the the, the reports, the court reports, because he because Pavi Point took him to court, you know, and if you read the court reports in the time, and you just read the things he said in the court about why he didn't want travellers in the in the in Archbishop McQuaid's. If you said it now, you'd be you'd be done for hate speech, you know. Wow, it was it was unbel- like to, to think of a man of God saying that stuff. It, That's you know, what I mean, yeah. But what's amazing about Hastings was that I I never he went off to the north side somewhere. Uh, he was in I think he went to Artane or somewhere like that, you know. And I googled him recently to find out was he still ar- alive, you know, and um. I, the last mention I ever found of him anywhere was in 2002, uh, and he he was interviewed by Jerome O'Reilly in the Indo uh, because what he'd done was all the candidates in the election 2002 election had put posters up and down the road outside the church, and Hastings went out at night and took all the posters down, and the the, the politicians complained and said, "Look, that's public. That's a public road." And Hastings said to the Indo, he just said, well, uh, I've never seen any of those politicians at mass. 
so they're not entitled to put their posters on the road where the church is, you know. And that was the, kind of the measure of the man. And he must have been he must have been 80 at that point in his life. And I just read that and went, that's exactly what he was like at 50, like, you know. He, yeah. hadn't, he hadn't grown at all, like, you know. There was no fucking growth or emotional maturity. 1-1 one, one against uh, Liverpool, uh, in Liverpool Spurs, by the way. Yeah, Sun yeah. scored a cracker. It went the VAR, possible offside, but it wasn't. He's unbelievable, son. Like, I can't understand yeah. why he's not spoken about as one of the greatest players in the world. It has to be. Because he's not white. Because he's not white. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, I definitely think there's something in that, you know. Um, he's better than De Bruyne. Yeah, De Bruyne's been shy this season. Yeah, and last season. Yeah, he hasn't been great. And he looks like he's yeah. carrying a bit of timber, too. Um, I think Jack Grealish is, <coughs> is the most eye-catching player in the league at the moment. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. Is that just because of his short shorts and low socks, Gar? Well, they do contribute to it. No, but genuinely, I, I, I'm fascinated watching him play football. I think he's... I, I, he's he's not long for Villa, is he? No. But why is he still there? Like, he, his optimum time to move... He should have gone two years ago. Like, yeah. so what? Why is he still there? He didn't. He got relegated with them and he got... He got yeah, he, he went down with them, but then they made him club captain. So maybe he just felt he had a responsibility to hang around a bit more. Yeah, um, but Jesus. When you when you're given a title in lieu of uh, career advancement, that's the time to fuck off, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh no, we're gonna call you. No, fuck off. Just give me the money. Let me go. <laughs> right? Call me anything. I I, I I I sit down and watch Villa all the time. I I, I think he's fantastic. I really do. To be fair, that, that, oh, that's... United, he's a great player. He'd be perfect for United, actually. Yeah, yeah which, which is exactly why they won't fucking sign him. Exactly. Yeah. I actually think he'll end up at City. Jesus. Paul, you made a, Paul, you made a, a very good point uh, on social media there recently. I think it was during the United City game, where regardless of what way City are playing, commentators are tripping over themselves to talk about how good they are. Yeah, they're contractually obliged to say, even when they're playing shit, they're contractually obliged <laughs> to say, of course, Man City have lit up the league under Pep Guardiola. It's like, you know, like when United are playing crap, right? Everybody just sits around and goes, you know, it's just terrible to see what's happened to this club. But the commentator doesn't keep saying, well, they were fantastic under Alex Ferguson. We have to remember the treble in, nine, in 1999. It's just, you know, but, but for some reason, Pep is just treated like this kind of priestly figure, this almost like a papal figure. And he can do no wrong. And City, City have been off the boil for the first time under Pep two seasons in a row, right? They were they were terrible last season. They really were. They were really bad last season. And this season they're actually worse, like, you know. They're not there's no urgency about them. Every team they play fancies taking at least a point off them. Uh he's not replacing players. Um, you know, you're always hearing you're always hearing about, you know, he, he's, he's missing this centre. There's no excuse for Pep to be missing any players because he's got the biggest checkbook in the world. He can sign any player he wants. Exactly. So there's no excuse for him to say, oh, I don't, I don't have a centre-half or, uh, you know, Raheem Sterling is only 50% fit or whatever. He, you know, he's, he's kind of getting away with murder a bit, I think, you know. He's, yeah. and, and the Champions League thing, he's blown it year after year after year with City. You know, mm-hmm. when you look at who they went out to, Liverpool, Spurs... Um, uh, who did they go out before that was French team Monaco Leon. Leon 
Leon and Monaco four years ago. I mean, they didn't go out. They didn't go out to great teams, really. Like you know, yeah. Um, I think it's you're right, Paul. And I think as well with Pep, you look at the side that he inherited at Barcelona. Jesus, Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, Messi. The list is endless. Yeah. You know, Roderick O'Gorman could have managed them and and probably went on to win more. Um, but it, I don't know if Pep is a bit of a myth. Um. There's no uh, escaping the trophies that he's won. But Jesus, City are on a, on a massive slide. Um, Hep a bit of a myth. Relax there, Miguel, there, will you? It's hardly a myth. Well, I think he might be. I think he might be. I mean, he's clearly... Miguel Delaney on the line, do He's never done what Mourinho's done, for instance, right? Like, he's never gone to a, a middling club and and made them into European championships. Like, I would be far more impressed with Mourinho's record than I would be with Pep's record. Because Pep did it at three of the richest clubs in the world. He did it at Barcelona, he did it at Bayern Munich, and he did it at, at, at Manchester City with unlimited resources. Uh, Mourinho went to Inter Milan, where he had, you yeah. know, a lot of reject players, like a lot of players who'd kind of, who were jaded, who were, who were kind of there just for the money. And he actually persuaded them you know, we, we can do this. Up. We can actually do something. He did the same yeah. with Porto, and he's doing it with Spurs. And United was completely the wrong club for a manager like Mourinho. I never believed he was a busted flush. I think he's going to do something, something really good at Spurs. I, I think if you like Inter Milan being a great example of Mourinho and getting the best out of him, because did you ever see the video when he's leaving? I think it's just after their final match, or maybe it was after the Champions League final. Oh, and it's him, him and uh, Marco Materazzi. Mm. Yeah. And when you see that video, you're like, yeah, you see what he can do with players. Because like that, Matt Matarazzi wouldn't be world class. He's he's decent, like. Yeah. But but he he made him he Mourinho made Matarazzi believe something. And you can see how much a fucking mentor like. So that's mm-hmm. yeah, I I'd agree with you in terms of, you know, the, the Pep obviously is decent, but everywhere he's gone, he's had unlimited resources. He hasn't had yeah. to carry a player like Matarazzi and turn him yeah. into... Like, like you know. Pep wouldn't have done the job at Liverpool that Klopp done. No. No, no absolutely not. Um, I'm not sure if you can measure it by that, but I mean, what Klopp has done at Liverpool um, is unfathomable. I mean, that club before Klopp got there was probably the worst-ran club in England. Um, Klopp arrives, the whole thing flips. I know everybody raves about Michael Edwards, but it's all about Klopp. I mean, what he's done there is just fascinating. Mm. Um, Danny, what you were saying there about Matarazzi and Mourinho, Mourinho seems to be doing the same thing with Eric Dyer now. Don't know if you watched the Amazon Prime uh, Spurs documentary. I'm, fantastic. I'm, about, I'm about four episodes in and I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving ah, it. It's fantastic. Did you watch it, Paul? No, I haven't seen it. No, I might watch it over Christmas, actually. Yeah, that, it, yeah that, that, that's worth it's, your It's just so interesting. Alone. It's... It's fascinating just watching the access that they give you with, you know, like there's there's a scene with Danny Rose going, goes into Mourinho and seeing why, why isn't he starting? And then he's like, well, look, I'll go to Daniel then <laughs> because Jose doesn't give him the answers he wants. He's saying he's going to go to talk to the chairman. Yeah. I just found that it, scene bizarre. Yeah. It, the access they have is like they're literally in every corner of the club and training ground and and say to him, it's unbelievable. Yeah. The, yeah. the last the last episode I seen, it was looking ropey for Delia Ali, and in obviously now at the moment, 
he still seems a little bit out of favour with him. So I'm presuming that gets juicier as you watch it. Well, his, his first training session, he thought Ali was so la- lazy, didn't he? Mm. Deli Ali. Yeah. He, he, he thought he was so lazy. He says uh, Delhi doesn't like to work. Do you know what I'm looking at here, lads? And it's very telling of Mourinho. Uh, the possession stats for this Liverpool Spurs match tonight. Liverpool have got 78% possession. Like that's like that's almost unheard of in a Premier League game between two top six sides. That one team would have 78 yeah. compared to 22. Yeah. And it's and it's totally, Marino, Spurs will probably win this 2-1, like, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. end up with 15% possession or something. And, uh, <laughs> and your dad that, be ringing you. The only, oh, Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only problem with Spurs now is that uh, Harry Kane hasn't finished the season for about five years, has he? Or a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, I see this fucking thing he's doing where he leans his back into people. Yeah. And they just like <laughs> some some ref is gonna have to clean him and that. Like he's literally lashing into lads and they just fucking tumble. Yeah, Shearer used to do that as well, didn't he? It's kind That's of, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And John Fashion who used to do it as well, actually. Uh yeah, yeah. I think the elbows as well though. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I miss those days when anything went, almost anything went to the penalty box, like, you know, because players, like, jumping down on the ground when you weren't even touched would just be so beneath the dignity uh, of a player. Like, they'd just be terrified of what people watching at home would say. And now it's just, like, Firmino the other day just tro- <laughs> throwing himself on the ground, like, you know, just... Unbelievable stuff. I just hate seeing that stuff. Even Liverpool players, it kills me when I see it. It's just, you know. But I, my proposal, which I, I uh, put up on social media and got a bit of bit of interest in it, is every team should get two penalties at the start of a match, right? Guaranteed. And you either score them or you miss them, right? And then, so then the match starts. So after you've had your two penalties, you're not allowed to claim anymore, right? So anything goes. <laughs> It would be like fucking rollerball in the box. Like, you can kill each other in the box. Uh, but there's, so there's no such thing as a foul in the penalty area. Yes, there are fouls in and around, outside the penalty area or anywhere else in the pitch. But in the penalty area, you can do anything you want to anyone because you've had your two penalties. And I just think it would it would get rid of all this kind of appealing and all the rest, you know, and the game held up for VAR and... No, no, and, and people, like, examining, like, minimal content. Because the whole thing's a joke. Like, if you if you get fouled in the box, you never get a penalty unless you go to ground, right? So so somebody could pull you back. Or I've seen um, Maguire do this, like, both arms around your, <laughs> around your front behind. Like, you know? and, but unless you actually hit the ground, the referee never gives a penalty. So you actually... They've incentivized diving that way. That you actually have to, you have to jump dive, otherwise you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. And and that's a, that just makes a nonsense of the game. So I just think get the penalties out of the way. Have it, have it instead of that lining up with the kids thing. Because I I'm not into that. Like, you know the I hate all that. I'm with Roy Keane on this. I hate all that niceties thing. Walking out, holding hands with kids and shaking hands. I just think I just want the intensity of two teams. Who hate each other and want to destroy each other? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm with I'm with on the intensity and two teams. Bows and Rovers. That's what Bows and Rovers is all about, Paul. Hold hands, kids. What, Paul? 
Do they hold hands with kids on the way out? Like, do they have to bring children no. on? All See, I oh, think kids have their place, right? And and that's great. But I don't want to see them on the pitch before a match. You know, I just want... And I, I like this Bows and Rose, Rovers thing. I might go and see them. Well, yeah. no, you've, you've, bought, you've, you've said that you're, going, you're coming with us next season, so... Yeah, as soon as we get the vaccine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's I I want to see Hooperman and Eric Lawler knocking seven shades of shite out of each other before the match. Not, hey, not the, you know. <laughs> the uh the Shamrock Rovers mascot, Hooperman. Um, oh Hooperman, right. Okay. See, I I I like Far lads. I'm I fucking oh, love no. the controversy. I love what well, I'll tell you what it actually is, it's Twitter that I love over VAR. I love watching people have a fucking meltdown over VAR. It, the, the entertainment I get out of that alone is just—it's just not being used properly, is it? Well, that's, it's, it's it's used it's used great in other sports, you know. I mean, it's like, used uh, to, to deprive Liverpool Football Club of the of the Premier League, really. <laughs> in my, view, in my view. Well, I mean, COVID was used to give them the league, Paul. So we, you know, we didn't invent COVID, like we, you know, and <laughs> the league not before not anyone heard of it. You know, the the league was won last November. <laughs> when we beat City, essentially, you know, uh, but I, I, th- I think, I think, I think you're right. I think VAR, the way they're using it, it, like referees are terrified to make a decision now, and they're getting the lads in the van to tell them to change decisions and stuff like that. And that's not what it was for. The the, the problem, the thing I've learned with VAR is that this, it's this search for moral exactitude in everything now. Uh, like in tennis, right? So there's a, there, there is a point in tennis where the ball is out or the ball is in, right? And of course, it comes down to a millimeter, right? Because if it's there, it's out. And if it's a millimeter there, it's in. Right? And that can be measured using computers and all the rest. And you can't argue with it. But that's just whacking a ball, right, at 120 miles an hour. And football is something completely different. It's just not the same thing. You know, it, it, just, it just simply isn't the same yeah. thing. And instinctively, we know it's not the same thing. You know, we know that because uh, Firmino has his elbow like that instead of like that, he's offside. We 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 haven't been brought up believing that that's what football's about, and I think that's why we're railing against it. Yeah, and I I think as well. I, although the 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 introduction of a, a football style VAR with the likes of Jimmy Connors, John McEnroe, and Astazi would have been fucking great entertainment. I think, but the the, the, as he said, the, the whole thing of, you know, if, if he was wearing boots with longer studs, he'd be offside in that instance. I think that's frustrating there. But when they start drawing the lines, everybody gets a bit kind of, ah, here we fucking go. But I love the controversy. I, I love people's reactions on Twitter. <clears throat> it gets me through the weekend sometimes. It's it's but fucking amazing. controversy before there was VAR. You know, there was controversy over referees missing decisions. So I don't think it's added anything new to the conversation about football. It's just, I think it's pissed everybody off. And I think changing the in the, the rules for penalties, like there's already been more penalties this season than there was in the whole of last season. And we're only 10 matches in, like it's fucking absurd. And there's barely a match goes by now without a penalty. That, and most of them you go, ah, that's not really a penalty, you know. Yeah. Uh, you've even got players now like that Arsenal one against Liverpool where the player goes yeah actually I thought the penalty was a bit soft you fucking dived for it you know <laughs> and he say after it was a bit soft I can't believe I got away with that like that's how brazen the whole thing is now 
And uh, James Milner uh, was right when he said it. He said everybody has to admit that, that you know the people he talks to just admit that that they're not enjoying football as much as they used to anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah I, think, I, I think what we've seen so far this season is I'm not going to say football's dying on its arse, but it's just piss boiling and some of the decisions and the offside thing where you know drawing the lines and. A millimetre, you know, it could be a fingernail. But but as Graham Suna said, you can't be a little bit pregnant. Do you know what I mean? It's either it's offside or it's not. But this isn't pregnant, you know. This is <laughs> this is a fo this is a, a football decision, you know. Yes, I think I think the problem is we know. Like <clears throat> I'm watching football since I was about five years old, and you 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 guys are the same. And you know, you know, some of us played the game or various levels and all the rest. We know it's not a game of. Uh, millimeters. We just know it's not. It's a game of beautiful moves and clever passing and all that kind of thing. It's not a game of your foot was there and if it had just been there, yeah, yeah, you would have been fine. It's it's you know, yeah. and and all and even though you can make a, <clears throat> you can make a case for VR being the right thing, it's like this over over uh, overstatting of the game as well. Right, the XG thing and all this kind of thing. I've heard people make perfectly reasonable defenses of that XG thing, expected goals, assists, and all that, right? But it doesn't enhance anyone's enjoyment. It certainly doesn't enhance my enjoyment of the game. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't make me feel like I know more about the game than I did ten years ago because somebody's telling me uh Man City's XG is four point one compared to four point three net last season. It's absolutely gobbledygook, like, you know. The, um, the, the one thing I will say, and 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 I do, I that's as I say, bookmakers I was, though, Paul, isn't it? Well, here's the thing, and and I, and I, 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 I think Gary should come in on this in a second, right? But I had a row with Ken early about this on on Twitter uh, recently. Uh, that that got a little bit a little bit uh, passive aggressive, right? Uh, <laughs> you didn't follow. We didn't know. He didn't follow, but he. he he, he he mocked me on his um, on, on the second uh, captain's podcast afterwards. You know, uh, he was calling me some. He's saying Paul Harris, some nineteen, like some seventeenth century romantic poet, uh, when he waxes lyrical about football <laughs> in the old days, right? Uh, <laughs> which was a fucking great line. Like I was really pissed off. It was so good because everybody was just joking. Early said it. He said, "I know what he said about me, right? I can't answer back because he's got." Like a hundred thousand listeners or something on that podcast, but anyway, the 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 point I was making the XG thing. It's Ken said to me, I said this is about bookmakers and it's about offering people extra things to bet on. And Ken said it's got nothing to do with bookmakers, but they do use it. Uh, uh, they do use it as a tool, which to me said. It has everything to do with bookmakers. That's what I took from that. Uh, but I could be wrong. Gary, do people bet on XG? Not literally, but I mean, I suppose XG affects uh, how markets are priced. Right, yeah. Which, which is what Ken would have meant. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 sorry, Danny? I was going to say, but, but it, it do, people can, though, because I, I, I've, I'm a me who bets on a player to have shots on target using those kind of statistics. Oh, yeah, you can bet on, say, Mo Salah to have over one and a half shots on target, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think the, is an XG 
more to do with results, like an outright result than a match statistic. Or am I wrong? I thought it was about like expected chances or opportunities to come up during the game. And, oh, maybe and, and all that then is used to look. You can predict results. You, you, you can fucking bet on anything now. Let's be honest. <laughs> you, you can um, you can do a thing called building a bet where you pick a game and you go in and you can pick any conclusion in the game, build it all up, and get an accumulative price. Um, and like that, you could have over. You know, Mane to have one shot on target in the first half is. If there's if there's a demand there, uh, there'll be a market for it. Like, like no, see, I get that, right? I get that that the people are doing the, people who are betting on those things aren't particularly interested in football. Like if like if you're watching a Liverpool match and you see Mane has, you bet that Mane's only going to have one shot and goal, and he has a shot and goal after three minutes, and then you're just watching the match going. God, I hope Mane just get another shot and goal here. You're not watching football for enjoyment. You're watching it for for financial gain. And I don't understand why, if this is part of the rationale for pushing XG, why Sky are buying into it. Well, as I say, and I sound, I'm, I'm, I know I'm being stupid. I know why Sky are buying into it because they're because bookies advertise on Sky. But when it flashes up on the screen, um. Like it, there was a couple of weeks ago, it was a Liverpool match, right? And I videoed this thing and put it up on Twitter because uh, the, the the XG thing flashed up on the screen, and Jamie Cahar went, "God, yeah." See, you look at that, and then there was silence, and he went, <laughs> "I don't even know what I'm looking at there." And you think, if Jamie Carragher, who won a Champions League medal, right, does not understand what that's about, why are they putting it on the screen? Like, yeah. well, see, Sky will lash that out because obviously. Uh, Skybet is a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you, you'll find it within their app. Um. You know, I suppose XG will be there. Uh, but I mean, if you're watching a football match, uh, and it goes to an ad break, it's all gambling sites uh, advertising. I mean, you wouldn't see an ad for a crunchy anymore. Oh, no. SFA, it's, no. oh, it's, it's Ray Winston's fucking head floating, yeah, yeah. giving you the latest odds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah like, I, these companies are fucking huge. Like, you know, they're they're monsters now. Yeah. Well, Gary, well that, go on, Graham. No, I was just going to try and move on because Gary said previously that he had a list of topics he wanted to discuss on December sixteenth. He probably doesn't have them ready though. Oh, did I say that, Graham? Well, well while you're... you and Danny's WhatsApp group, <clears throat> you were saying, "Oh, I'll be discussing this on December 16th." Well, <clears throat> oh, I'll you're, be discussing uh, this. You must have said it about five or six times. While you're while you're thinking about that list, Gard, one thing I will say about Fire Lads is that had it been in many many years ago, it definitely would have robbed us of I think something that all Irish football fans love and uh, just want to mention Diego Maradona. But the hand of God wouldn't have happened, would it? No, it wouldn't. Absolutely not. Paul, you, uh, you, you have, uh, well, well, you had. I think you, you tried to drink part of your Diego Maradona memorabilia. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We, we, we <clears throat> you told us years ago on a podcast, Paul, you bought this. So yeah. when he died, I knew you were going to drink it. Yeah. <laughs> now apparently. Uh, I was talking to a uh, big name drop coming here, right? I was talking to Christopher, right? And he has, he's a wine collector and he has a cellar in his gaff, right? And I was, I was talking to big Liverpool fan, by the way. Um, I was talking to him and, and I said, do you think this would be safe to drink? And he went, 
how how has it been stored, right? And I think Chris might have thought I had a cellar, you know. So I said <laughs> said it was it was actually under the sink next to a bottle of Jay's fluid. He <laughs> 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 was very disappointed in me uh, because Chris is from Chris was was born in Argentina and he's a big Maradona fan. And I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. was born in Argentina. Was yeah, yeah, and he. Um, I think he felt I should have um, I should have shown more respect for the for the I, now it was a cheap bottle of Chateau Neuf de Plonk, you know it wasn't it wasn't a great it wasn't a great vintage or anything I think it was a fiver or something like that but anyway I bought it yeah I opened it right when he died uh, and but it'd been there for fifteen years Mary and I went to Buenos Aires on holidays about fi- in two thousand and five and that's when I bought it. Like I said, it was under the sink, but when I put the when I put the the corkscrew into it, it did the the cork disintegrated. <laughs> now usually that wouldn't be a disincentive for me to drink the wine, like you know, I'd, <laughs> like I'd, I'd have no qualms about like use sieving sieving the bits of cork out into a into a pot <clears throat> and then pouring it from the pot into a glass or two, you know. Uh, I wouldn't be snobbish about it at all, but I yeah. Uh, I drank, I took a sip of it yes. and my, my life flashed before my eyes. Like, you know, I, I actually thought this, this could be life changing. Like, do you know the first time, you know, the first time you drink real pochin? If you had real pochin. I had a mouthful, well, not a mouthful, maybe a, a spoonful. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. you start remembering all the stories about, about how you can go blind drinking it. Right. And then, and, <laughs> and then you think, Jesus Christ, like, I think I will go blind here. That's how I felt drinking the Maradona wine. It was, it was so fermented uh, that it was like, it was like uh, Mr. Kavanagh and Lawrence's had let me, left me alone in the, in the chemistry lab <laughs> and I was knocking back some <laughs> methylated spirits or something that he left the top Could off. Could they have used it for, for a coven, Paul? Oh, God, no, no. I mean, this wouldn't have enhanced the flavour of anything. It was... It was vile. Like, it was worse than chip shop vinegar. We could have used it for vinegar, actually. Was it a red or white bottle? <laughs> well, it was red originally. It said red on the bottle. <laughs> it was kind of pink when it came out. Uh, it, w- it was um, it was dangerous, like, you know. I, I kind of really felt that it was it was kind of dangerous even to leave it lying around. So uh, it went. I, pour- I poured it out, but I kept the bottle because the bottle's lovely. It's got Maradona's face on it and everything, you know, and... Um, Maradona was just my first kind of like proper man. Oh, you know? ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was, he was just amazing, and he was so he was just such a rebel as well, you know. And he like he called all those fuckers out years ago: Joe Havalange, you know, uh, Seth Blatter, all these mm-hmm. suits. Like you know, and he, he he loved using the word dogs to describe people, and I loved that about him. You know, he'd say. He's a rabid dog. This really fucking poetic, one peron kind of way. Like he would call everybody a filthy dog and stuff <laughs> like that. And he was just great. And then Pele, you know, Pele is sucking up to, like, I think Pele might have married Zhao Havalange's daughter or something, the head of FIFA's daughter or something like that. There's some family connection. And, you know, he's in every corporate box going, you know. And then but and Maradona at the World Cup is down with the fans, like, do you remember that year? Mm. He's down with the fans, yeah. uh, swinging his 
like he's got his top off and his belly's hanging out and he's he's helicopter in his jersey around his head like that swinging it around <laughs> and then four and then a, two years after that he's committed like he's in he's in an institution and then two years after that he's managing Argentina at the World Cup I mean like <laughs> just look at them this mental trajectory like he's up and he's down and he's and I just loved him for that, like absolutely loved him for that. And he never, he never ever went corporate. And that's just something that's just so, he was just so, so pure in that way, you know. The uh, the, the video of him warming up uh, when he was at Napoli. Oh, yeah. I, I think everyone has seen it. And uh, life is life is playing in the background. Mm. It just, it, it's fucking amazing. I mean, you look at that, you look at all the, stretching and all the other stuff that all the other players have to do and everything and he's just walking around singing doing keepy uppies like mm-hmm. he's just yeah like he's, that the, I, get better every time you watch it actually it yeah. really does it really really does yeah he had this he just had to see him play in Ireland Paul. no I didn't he, he played here hmm. in 1981 uh, for Argentina against Ireland but I was probably I was a bit too young um yeah, I was about, I was 10 then, you know, so um, I went to my first match. I saw Paolo Rossi play, right, in Dalymount Park. And that was my first, that's the first football match I ever went to, like first international match. Ireland against Italy. Imagine this, right, the world champions. Was that with me, Dan Keith? What's that? Was that, was that with me, Dan Keith? No, I didn't know, I didn't go with Keith and your dad, no. I went with a guy called Stephen Brown, do you know Browner from Ballybrack? Yep. But we went to that match. Like, Italy were the world champions, right? And they were taking money at the gate for the match, right? This is like four years before Hillsborough. They're just taking money at the gate. And no ticket or anything. Just like two quid, in you go. There was a crush in the crowd. This is like four years before Hillsborough. There was a crush in the crowd. And some really fucking smart guard said, open the gates, let them onto the pitch. And they opened the gate, gate, and we watched the match right behind the goal, sitting behind an advertising hoarding, right? And every time there was a goal, there was three goals in the match, we, there was a pitch invasion. We ran on the pitch, right? And I went up to Paolo Rossi, and I had my program and a pen from school, and I said, can I have your autograph? This is still, the match is still going on, like, you know? And he just looked at me and he said, get off the fucking pitch. <laughs> <laughs> better than an autograph, right? It was it was it was a hundred times better than an autograph because he looked me in the eye and he and he swore at me and it was the, ne- the next day in school and I was telling everything he just looked me in the eye, get off the fucking pitch. It was great. And I said to my dad last week, I said, uh, what the fuck were you thinking? Letting me travel from Ballybrack to Dalymount Park at 13 years of age with another 13-year-old friend of mine to see a football match, you know? What were you thinking like? What kind of parenting is that? And he said, that he, I was very touching, actually. He said to me, that was your mother's idea. She always said she didn't want you to be afraid of anything. Fucking <laughs> yeah. hell. Mm. Now, like, you know, I don't know if parents had let their kids do that now, but it was pretty, you know, it was, it was pretty impressive, like, you know. And it was great because I had a two-leader on the way to the ground. Like, <laughs> It's the freedom. <laughs> I didn't. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Um, That's a great line. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. It's, you know, it's brilliant. But football was that was that was that was great in those days. Nobody went to see the Ireland team in those days. Like it was just so easy to get into matches. Mm. 
it's um I I miss like I I I actually like the Aviva as a stadium, but I miss the old Lansdowne Road. I, and like when you were talking about Daily Mount, I I never got to see Ireland playing Daily Mount, but the, the old Lansdowne Road and the North and South Terrace, and the crack you would have on the terrace, and like that two quid a ticket for the schoolboy ticket, like yeah, fucking they were amazing days, like amazing. Yeah, they were. Um, I think I I think one of the first matches I ever got to go to was the Paul McGrath testimonial. It was brilliant. Loved every minute of it, and then we all went. MLS was great that day. Yeah, and then all the the teams went up to the what used to be the Kleine Court Hotel, um, opposite the Dart Station, and that's where they were having their post match meal and all that. So half of Bally Brack was up there after the match, hoping to meet the lads, having points so they could get autographs and get all that kind of thing. Like no camera. It was a great hotel, hotel actually. Yeah, it was yeah yeah. <clears throat> but I remember uh, Dean Dean Saunders. Was in a, there was a small bar that if you just ran through the front two doors you'd get into this bar. Dean Saunders was in there, and the lads were basically taking it in turns. It was two two of the big lads from the back were basically directing traffic. They were holding it back because too many has ran in. You know, eventually the hotel went get the fuck. That's it, lads. Enough. So they let two or three in at a time, and it got to the point. Dean Saunders was trying to have a quiet point or whatever, and it got to the point where eventually he just came outside and he's like, "Look, I'll sign stuff for ten minutes." Then leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> I, I think around then he would he would have been at the height of his fame and asked the villa around then, I think. So yeah, it was great. Not quite Paolo Rossi fan, but still, you know. It's yeah. so, yeah. Paolo Rossi to Dean Saunders, that's so much. It is, yeah, it is, yeah. Like I, my dad brought me over to Manchester in, in nineteen ninety two. Before I was the Premier League and there was a there's a busload of us went from kind of from Barry Brack in the Noggin, but you could literally walk into the Cliff Training Ground in Manchester. You'd be restricted, but you could literally walk in and approach the players in the car park for autographs and stuff. Mm. You wouldn't get fucking near them. Now. You'd more chance of fingering Angela Merkel than getting near, uh, <laughs> than near a footballer. <laughs> because they're, like, they're multi-millionaires now. Um, and, and they see their status as, as some, like, they're nearly like Tories in themselves now, aren't they, some of them? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, th- they wouldn't mix with Joe Soap and whatever, but it's such a different different vibe now, isn't it, going to even a football match in England? You want to see where they live, like, the the the, the players in Manchester, they like Roy Keane and all these lads, they, they all have houses in Hale, and it's kind, it's kind of... Um, it's they, they call it the stockbroker belt and it's where all the sort of the rich people live you know and there's just these massive mansions and like it's really like really really close to run down parts of manchester there's just this kind of fox rock area you know but anyway when i was writing uh triggs the autobiography of roy Keane's dog uh i had to kind of familiarize myself with the geography of the area to know when when roy Keane was walking the dog he went left out of his house and this, and and he ended up here, or he went right, he went that way, and so anyway, uh, I went over, and I decided I was gonna. I had, I knew where Roy Keane lived, you know, so I just decided I was gonna walk all those roads. So anyway, I'm walking the road, been walking for about five minutes, and I'm filming as well as I'm walking. Right, the next thing, this van pulls up beside me, screeches to a halt. Right, this kind of uh, a security van, uh, like five burly lads in leather members only jackets get out you know uh shove me up against the wall you know what are you doing what are you doing around here what are you doing what are you filming 
what are you taking out? We've been looking at you taking out. What are you fucking taking out for? So I said, well, I said, this is a public road. I said, you know, I don't have to tell you anything, right? So your man said to me, right, it's like this. He said, I'm, uh, I'm ex-old Bill. His, uh, his brother is old Bill. And, you know, his best mate is old Bill. If we ring the police now, he said, they'll, they'll arrest you for suspicious activity. They'll hold you for 10 or 12 hours or maybe 24 hours. Or you could just tell us what the fuck you're doing. And I went, Jesus Christ. I just went, eh, I'm writing a book about Roy Keane's dog. And, you know, I'm just walking the road. And he just looked at me like that. I went, you are. So <laughs> said, this may, it may not, it may come as a surprise to you that this, this uh, Labrador, she's very well known in Ireland, like, you know, and, uh, and I'm writing a book about her. I'm writing her autobiography. And he just went, right. Right, fair enough. And they got back in the van. And just <laughs> <off>. <laughs> well, I think he might have thought I was mentally unstable or something. I think that's why. I, I think that's why I didn't get. I'd love to have been. I'd love to be the fly in the wall in that van when they drove off and left you. <laughs> he's all right, boss. He's a fucking nutter. Did you ever meet Roy during that time? Uh, not during that time. No, he didn't like the book. Well, actually, he didn't read the book, but he didn't like the idea of the book, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and this kind of got back to me uh, in a roundabout way. Uh, when Roddy Doyle when Roddy Doyle did the ghostwritten book about Roy Keane, the second autobiography, um, the publisher rang me and said, oh, we're doing a big public event in the RDS, 2,000 people. Would you interview Roy on the stage? And I said, well, look, I said, yeah, I'm happy to do it, but does he know that I wrote the, the book about his dog? And he went, oh, yeah, I'm sure he does. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. You need to tell him I wrote the book about his dog. And he said, yeah, I'll do that, but I'm sure it won't be any problem at all, you know. Ten minutes later, I get a call back. Yeah, your services won't be needed on the night. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind, of, it kind of underlined for me what I've always believed about Roy Keane, that he has this famously brilliant sen sense of humor but only when the joke is on someone else he doesn't he, he really struggles with kind of levity when when it's about him uh i don't know if any of you saw that patrick vieira roy Keane documentary on itv yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, talking about the relationship and vieira was just so chilled out and so zen and you know what happened happened and roy is still angry like you know <laughs> <laughs> Why I don't know, like twelve years or thirteen years after he played last played, you know, and uh, but I think I think he is great when he's kind of mocking, you know, uh, Carlos Quiras at, at uh, United or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. people like that. He's great at taking out number twos and stuff, but he, he, I don't think he has a great sense of humor about himself, like you know. And actually, he's the book still box office, isn't he, Paul? What's that? Still box office, isn't he? I don't think so. I don't think so anymore. I think he's totally diluted his brand. I think he's just he's oh. like a panto villain now on on television. When I see him, I do. I do, I'm sorry, guys. I just when I see him there trotting out the same old lines about I'd have punched him in the face. It's like it's like watching Peter Kay say garlic bread, garlic bread. You know, it's quite <laughs> like I'll do your funny line now, Roy, about pun I'd have punched him in the face and. And and he only has this stuff, things like timekeeping. He's like a teacher. Like, he's like a school teacher now. Like, you know, it's like, oh, the, you know, I got rid of him because he was late for the bus. And 
He doesn't have. He doesn't seem to have any. Like like Gary Neville, for instance, is about three hundred times the pundit that Roy is. Mm. Do you know? Well, that was, that was Paul Howard's last appearance on Watch the Story podcast. <laughs> I tell you, uh, I'd I'd pay great money to have been in the airport when those lads were in there and they discovered that book actually happened, Paul. They're heading for for their two weeks in Benidorm and in the airport and they pick up fucking, and there's Triggs and they're like, holy fuck. (laughs) He wasn't fucking lying. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's very enjoyable though, lads, at the moment? Uh, Micka Richards and Keane. Yeah, brilliant. Micka Richards is doing his uh, Instagram stories of him winding up Roy and it's fucking brilliant because during makeup and all yeah, yeah. I've never seen anybody Keen will snap and kill him like you know I've never <laughs> seen anybody interact with Keen like that um, and you can see the smirk on his face like he's kind of enjoying it I, I think, you I, I think Mika has such an infectious laugh I think mm. do you know what it reminds me of I was in Melbourne Zoo uh once with my cousin, right, and he he's Australian, and he decided to poke the lion through the <laughs> with a stick through the ca- through the bars of the cage. He jumped over the barrier and walked up to the cage, and he had this long stick, and he's just poking the lion, right. Jeez. And the next thing, the lion—I never heard a sound like it. I didn't think it was possible to hear a, an animal make a sound like a like a fucking jet engine, right? But the, the lion went Rah! and you're. And he jumped backwards. Like, he thought, oh, fucking hell, what have I done? And there was still a cage between them. And that's what I thats what I think of when I see uh, Michael Richards mocking Roy Keane. I just think one day, it's like, you're going to tr- you're gonna stick your head in that lion's mouth once too often, mm. and he's going to flip and kill you. It could very well happen, couldn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, because Ian Wright tried it a few times. Ian Wright used to be the one doing it. And that's why I don't like what's happened to Roy Keane because he's kind of become this joke figure to the other pundits. It's like, uh, you know, he's the he's the kind of grumpy fella here and we all need to say, oh, Roy, go on, give us a smile, Roy. It's like, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, 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 I haven't enjoyed I, watching him become that person. I, I love him, but there is an element of kind of angry dad about him where, where the other pundits are almost trying to get a a little bit of a reaction or trying to roil him up to see what he'll say kind of thing in the hope that he'll, as you said, I'll punch the head off him, that kind of thing. Yeah, but I think that if you're a pundit at the moment and you're not Jamie Carragher or Gary Neville, it's an absolute scrap to stay relevant. Or you just won't get paid. Yeah, 100%. So, um, I I think, like, Jesus, Neville and Carragher are fantastic and and they get into the nitty-gritty, but... I sometimes think the one-liner and the quick Maguire's not good enough or Tanya Day is not good enough for the last two and a half years. I think that works. Um, yeah. I understand that, like it is going to get boring eventually. Um, yeah. I think there's a little bit of gravy in it left. like you know. People probably say the same about this podcast but sure, look, here we are. 220-something episodes later. <laughs> are we going to tell them are we going to talk about Quality Street or anything like that? Well, this like, is, I, was, I was about to say, we, we actually ran a poll a number of weeks ago uh, in the anticipation of this episode where we put the kind of the big four, to use the football analogy, um, against one another to see uh, what and sorry which uh, street the public would deem triumphant when it came to the tubs and tins of sweets. Paul, you, you is it fair to say you're a traditionalist when it comes to Christmas tubs and sweets? Um. 
Yeah, I, I'm like Quality Street, like, you know. <clears throat> and when I say I like Quality Street, I don't think I really mean I like them because the first two or three of the year are fine. And then I'm eating them without even looking what they are. Like, you know? <laughs> like Christmas <laughs> afternoon, I'll, have, I'll be eating them with the paper on them still. So <laughs> I think it's just just, <laughs> just well, I- sugar into you. But I, I, I like some of the Quality Street. Right, but I like all the ones everyone else hates. I like the strawberry. I like, I like the orange. I used to love the coffee, uh, but they got rid of the coffee, and they had a yeah. coffee in the roses, and they started during the Celtic Tiger. Tiger, they started calling it a cappuccino truffle. Uh, <laughs> that's a rising tide lifting all boats. They were calling it a fucking cappuccino truffle, and then they got rid of it when the Celtic Tiger ended. They obviously thought we don't need to be rubbing people's nose in it. I, I, you put up a photo on Twitter recently where with the the dredges of a tub of Quality Street, yeah. and I noticed there were at least three of the green triangles in there. And I said, he's he's eating Quality Street all wrong. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, Danny, like the the reaction from the public to that picture was was kind of it was akin to the time I said, "Fairy Tale in New York" isn't a Christmas song, right? <laughs> It, it it just enraged people, and people were saying like, you know, you don't like. I don't mind the ones saying, oh no, I like those ones, but people kind of getting angry and threatening you and stuff just because you don't like the purple ones with the nut inside. Like it's, uh, you know, but but people are people have very very firm opinions about Fairy Tale in New York and Quality Street, especially those green ones. And uh, so I kind of nearly got cancelled over it actually yesterday. Um, I, I kind of had to. I kind of had to get off Twitter for a while, but it wasn't as bad as Fairy Tale New York. I had to, we had to leave the house for about a month. <laughs> we were living with Mary's parents, like in the shed. Like that was a bit of a. And Fairy Tale was a bit of a misunderstanding. You clarified that in the podcast for us previously. Just when you said it's not a Christmas song, you weren't saying it in a derogatory sense. No, it's more not so a, saying. I was saying it's not a classic Christmas song in the yeah. same sense that. Uh, Wham's Last Christmas is. I think it's an album song that happens to be about Christmas, right? Uh, like, uh, what's the Tom Waits song? Valentine's card from a hooker in Minnesota, or whatever it's called. Like that, th- like that's a song about Christmas, uh, but it's not necessarily a Christmas song. And there's yeah. that one, "River" by Joni Mitchell. It's the same thing. Like it's Jesus, that, very that, that Christmas thing, yeah. but it's not. Like it's it's kind of not you don't hear it on on like when you turn you on TFM or something. Yeah, you won't you won't hear it on Christmas event. That's yeah. all I'm saying. But as ever with with social media, you know, you just the, the the lynch mob turned up at the door and <laughs> uh, some some high profile English comedians got involved and you know that was it. Like I was cancelled. You you had said previously that um, heroes and celebrations were uh, they're, they're just pretend. Well, I can't remember the exact word you use. They're caught. Caught. Yeah, <laughs> um, what is it about them that, that infuriates you, Paul? Well, if I want a bounty, I'll have a bounty. But don't give me like I've never like I've never bought a bounty and said, Oh, you know, must cut off about a, a you know a sixteenth of that and eat that. <laughs> right? And that's essentially what that is. You're eating heroes and celebrations. It's like if I want a Mars bar, I'll go out and I like five or six times a year, I'll say, Jesus, I haven't had a Mars bar in eight, I'll have a Mars bar. But I never felt the urge to eat a little mouse bite off a Mars bar and put the rest away. Eat the Mars bar. And you've got to eat about 16 or 17 celebrations to feel like you've eaten some, like you've actually eaten something. And um, 
So I, I just feel it's a cod. Quality Street is a sweet because there's uh, th there's sweets, right? So it's not like there's a bar of the strawberry one or a bar of the fudge one. So you just pop it in your mouth and you feel like you've had a sweet. If I get a little bit of a of a Malteser bar or something, I would I would that's a that's an appetizer for me. That's a, an amused bouche. I want more. <laughs> Don't waste my time. And I I feel that. And then does this. I've seen this in too many homes, and I was talking about it during the week as well, where people tip all the the, the four sweets that you mentioned there, Meryl, they tip them all into the same tub as if as if there's a moral equivalence between them all. Oh, right? that's a bit, don't it? As if you can put your hand in and just take either a rose or, or a quality street or yeah. a celebration yeah. from, from the same tub. I mean, it's 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 animals. We're going back. We're backwards. We're coming animals. Like if you had a load of pork chops to use up, you wouldn't do a pork chop curry. It just doesn't fucking work. Mm. You know, keep them separated. You wouldn't. Yeah. You know, if you if you had a farm, you wouldn't let your goat ride your sheep. Like it's just not the done thing. Yeah, <laughs> I I go along with that. You know, yeah, I think I'd make a curry out of the goat though. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'd have a go, Cordy. Yeah, I'd be up Curry for that too. now. Yeah. 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 Well, would, you, would you cook it in the air fryer? A curry? <laughs> yeah. Jesus, it'd be a shit show if you done it in the air fryer. <laughs> you like do everything out. else in the air fryer. Like Tell Paul out. what you did in the air fryer this week. What did I do this week? The fried eggs. Oh, yeah. I eggs. Do, I do, I, we did eggs in it, really. Yeah, I, I nested some tin foil. Like a, like a nest of tin yeah. foil. Salt, pepper, and butter. Two eggs in into the air fryer for about eight minutes. Sensational. Oh, really? Oh, uh, unreal. Um, right. I actually cried and what? I lifted them out. <laughs> would, you, would you consider doing a, like a, you know, a, a lot of chefs, Gary, these days do like an Instagram. Um, would you do like an Instagram that's purely dedicated to your air fryer cuisine? It, that's a great question. It's something that I get asked a lot, but I just don't have the time at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> who, asked, who asked you that a lot, Gary? <laughs> I, get, uh, I get a lot of private communication. Uh, <laughs> what about a cookbook just with the air fryer? There's no market for a pot. Not, well, not for listen. I think there might be like the Happy Pair lads. They've got like nine or ten cookbooks out there, you know. Yeah, but they—that's another. Come like on, that, that, you're one. You're one. The daily dish. She has the air fryer game sewn up. Oh, oh, does she? Yeah, like you ain't gonna be her to it unless she's caught trafficking kids or something. Like she has that sewn. <laughs> uh, and she's very good in fairness. Now you wouldn't see a fucking vegetable anywhere. Um. But she is very good, to be fair. She's done really well there. We we, um, well, we, we done a tournament of, of tubs of sweets, Gary. Now, I, I I think Celebrations won it in the end, which... Um, which I voted for, by the way. You, you did vote for Celebrations. Graham, what did you vote for, out of curiosity? Celebrations as well. Okay, okay. Fucking okay, um, Hills. <laughs> but the, the point Paul makes is excellent. Like, Paul's, Paul's point is excellent, where, like... If you want the Twix, you go out and buy a Twix. No, it's it, that, yeah. exactly. And and if I go to it, I'm only thinking about this now. If I go to, if I'm having a cup of tea, do you know what? I'll have a Snickers with that. And I go to the Celebrations tub, sure, I'm picking up five Snickers from the Celebrations tub. Yeah. And I'm loving them all in at the one go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, do, do, do any of you live with anyone who, who puts empty wrappers back into the, 
into the tin. Paul, for, for fear of my life, Paul, I won't answer that question. Yeah. Danny, you don't do it, do I, I don't, no, I don't. Well, well that said, the only, the only exception I find, uh, now in fairness, Oksana, she doesn't do it, actually. Uh, but the only exception is uh, Ferrero Rocher. If if the the, uh, the 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 wrapper of the Ferrero Rocher will go into an empty slot, because then you put the lid on at the end when they're finished and they're all neatly stored. And you no problem with that. Yeah, no problem. Out. But but it doesn't go it doesn't go into a tin where there's no assigned slot for the sweet, shall we say? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that that's chaos, and I, I couldn't live with that in my world. Yeah. Now. now there's two feral cons that do it here. <laughs> they'll, they'll grow out of it uh, but it's just laziness isn't it you put it in the bin I, I think it's bad it's bad parenting as well Gary absolutely you know yeah. you know there's, 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 you know I'd be asking questions of uh, of Iris Mackle at Christmas as to why it wasn't better with me as a child do you remember Emerald Sweets Oh yeah. yeah, they were gorgeous sweets, but I'd be popping the empty thing back in the big packet like a fucking like it's awful behaviour. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a sign of somebody. It's the, the the type of people who put the empty wrapper back into the tub of roses or Quality Street are the same type of people who would put ketchup on a steak. Oh, that's no, that's a shit yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if I was in a restaurant and somebody done that, I'd walk out. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't pay. Did People you? put ketchup on steak. They do, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 a shit show now. I've no time for that. Men, I used to work with a fella, and he used to put vinegar on everything, right? And I think it was some kind of it was obviously some kind of imbalance or something he had, right? But he would get he would he would order dinner, and I I was out for lunch with him a few times. He'd order like say steak, potato, carrots, and peas, and he put vinegar on absolutely everything. Ah, no. really? Potato and everything, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the like, mashed potato. And the fucking smell of it, like, you know? Oh, fuck. I never understood days. what it was, like, you know? And I never had the courage. I wish I had as a young man to say, what the fuck are you doing, like? I wonder, did he have some <laughs> sort of, did, did he have some sort of taste boat deficiency? That, That's what I wondered, like, you yeah, know? Yeah, vinegar was the only thing that could kickstart it, like. Yeah. Or I think it might have been bad rearing. Yeah, that's also, yeah. yeah. Drag, yeah. Drag, dragged up. Yeah. 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 I he never took the vinegar at all. He was probably from Shank Hill, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big show. <laughs> That's uh, I'd say now. I'd say I'd say you'd be a lucky man now if you were able to walk through Shank Hill unassaulted after that comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just as well I live in Port Leash. Um, so. <laughs> now you just tell us where you live. Yeah, uh, the yeah. people from Shank Hill, they they don't travel anywhere beyond the M50. Anywhere beyond Tala, really. The square, that's as far as they'll go, wasn't it? I was terrified of Shankill. Like, and even growing up in Cromlech Fields, there was always somewhere rougher, and Ratsala was so Oh, yeah, Ratsala, Jesus, yeah. Out. And there was yeah. a fella called Keith Hughes who lived in Ratsala, and he was fucking ferocious, like, you know? He was a tough guy. And I remember once, a mate of mine in school said to me, uh, Keith Hughes is, is looking for you. And I went, what? He said, yeah, he said he's coming up to, he's coming to kick the shit out of you. And I was in first year, you know, and I believed him. And I was walking home from school the long way uh, to avoid Keith Hughes for about a month. And <laughs> he told me one day, I was only messing. I said, I, I, thought, I thought he was coming for me. I was, at a, I was at a kind of disco thing in the old house in Ratsala. Uh, do you know the kind of community center there, you know? And uh, yeah. 
I liked this girl I was in school with and he got off with her. And that's fair enough. Like I didn't, but for any of this guy said, yeah, he saw, he said you were staring at her. And I probably was a bit, you know, but he said, yeah, he didn't like the way you were staring at her. So he's coming up to get you. And, but I took that seriously for, for about a month. And it was, it was like a shadow on the x-ray of my childhood or something. I've um, I've just I've just uh, I've just been reminded that I actually have a lot of family who live in Shankill. I'd just like to take this opportunity to wish them a Merry Christmas. <laughs> they don't celebrate Christmas in Shankill, Danny. It's a fair point. Actually. <laughs> yeah. They would. <laughs> Too mean. <laughs> Gary, I I believe uh, one of the topics that you seem to have forgotten that you wanted to discuss greatly was Granny Mackle. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, it's not that I want to discuss it greatly. Um, you know, with Christmas special, what do you remember about Christmas? How do you, how do you relate to Christmas and all that? And I'm kind of a glass half empty fella. And something was meant, I, there was a poll on Twitter during the week. I can't remember quite what it was, but it, it was something to do with how we relate to things. Mm. And uh, males tend to, so let's say if you remember a Duracell lad from the 80s, you have a tendency to buy Duracell batteries for the rest of your life, mm. if you get me. But I, it just got me thinking, and like the first fanny I ever saw was Nanny Mackles. Up in Colony Hill. Could you, could you repeat that, Gary? The first what? Fanny. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> the first fanny I ever saw was Nanny Mackles. Remember I told you about what happened <laughs> Remember, she was gone for a kiss. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but uh, you have to manage how you remember things and build on from like, I, I can't keep it. I, I, I need to start relating back to that incident. Uh, it tells me back in some respects. <laughs> what, what? You started this out yeah. by talking about Jordacell batteries, <laughs> Yeah, like, move up, like... Oh, like, buy ever-ready batteries or buy Kodak batteries. You don't have to keep going back to what you know. So visually... <laughs> okay, sorry. To, you know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> I, I feel better for talking about it. <laughs> good. That, that's good. How old were you when this happened, Gar? About seven, I think. Okay. You had yeah. quite an eventful time between the ages of seven and eight, between... Nanny Mako and the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, a, a, it's a wonder you're as normal as you are, Gary. I had a I had a head for a pop. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. But no, um she, she was an extraordinary woman. Like um, I can't imagine if if like not that it would happen, but I mean if somebody said to one of my kids just stand there. I need to go for a piss. To make sure no one's coming. Like you, you'd ring the like you'd be right to fucking hit Gwen and everyone. You know what I mean? Like that's fucking porn. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have a certain amount of sympathy for Nanny Mac. We've all been caught short, have we not? But I mean, I, I shouldn't have been put in a position where I'm fucking staring at the thing. <laughs> Did you tell your parents? Yeah, well, because she told me that Colony Hill was haunted and uh, 
there was banshees and there was British soldiers beheaded up on Colony Hill. So I like I didn't sleep for two nights. And <laughs> um, Iris Edder out of it on the phone. And like in contrast to that, um, like my other <laughs> my other grandmother, she like she was she was amazing. Like I, she was the nicest woman. She was so nice. She was gorgeous. She was so friendly. This other fucking yoke down the Leary. Like it was fucking it was like um it was like Ozzy Osbourne and Mother Teresa, like it was <laughs> such a contrast. Um you know, the other bitch in Dunleary would be biting a, a boar's head off. And Nanny Ralph would hand you a, a lovely sandwich like. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Just fucking feral, uh, carry on. <laughs> um Thanks thanks for sharing. <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't know what to do with the information you've bestowed upon us this evening, but broadcast <laughs> <laughs> I think you know what you're gonna do with it, Danny. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I won't I won't be editing any of that out. Uh, but, <laughs> that's uh Jesus Christ, that's something. Um lads, I'm just conscious, lads, that we're coming up on the two hour mark. Um uh, no oh well. Yeah. We're only getting started. <laughs> We're only hitting the good stuff now. Uh, it's still one all in the match, and there's a couple of minutes left. I don't know if uh, we want to wrap up so that we can all watch the last ten minutes in the hope that something happens. Um, three of us hoping, obviously, Tottenham score. Paul, you hating us for hoping that? Yeah, um, and I was saying earlier before we were on there, I can't watch any. Ma- I can't watch the match despite paying thirty-five thousand pounds a year on various <laughs> Sky packages. Uh, uh, you know, this is one of those ones where they say, "Oh, do you not have Amazon Prime?" I do have Amazon Prime. I pay for Amazon Prime, but because I don't live in the UK, I'm not allowed to watch the match. You know, the, the same and, fella, I'm the same fella who came around to uh, to install WhatsApp for you. He he probably has a trick or two on how you can watch the football. <laughs> it's like I was telling you, it's like that guy said to me last week on Twitter. He said. If you want to watch the Liverpool match, it's on Amazon Prime. But if you go to this some illegal website, you can watch it for a tenner. And I clicked on it, and I I I I put my credit card details into this dodgy website, and then I watched it. Paul, it was it was it was it was like like I said, it was like going to a rave, an acid house party, or something back in the day. I was round the back of the Ramblers, being put into a van with a hood over my head. A potato sack, and it was being driven off to a venue. I wasn't allowed to see where it was, but I got to enjoy it, like you know. Paul, Amazon Fire Stick, IPTV. Amazon Fire Stick, right? I'll talk about it privately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that sounds like it's right up my street. Because, Absolutely. and you can pull it from telly to telly, can you? Like, you can I, do what you want with it. Yeah, yeah. You can bring it on holiday with you, so long as so long as it has a, a HDMI port, you can fucking plug yeah. it into anything. All you need is a HDMI part and Wi-Fi, and the world's your oyster. Right. Paul, Paul, uh, I, <clears throat> I seen the thing you shared on Twitter earlier on, with, and you and Gary um, interacted about the wheelie bins. Oh, Jesus, what a oh, that Jerry, Mc, Jerry McBride, lad. Jerry McBride is a comedian, and he is fucking hilarious. I had the pleasure many, many years ago of sharing a stage with him. And uh, his, his his tweets are absolutely sensational. So when I seen the two of you was following his wheelie bin tread, I knew instantly it was gold. What yeah. was it, Paul? What was it about it that that made you think Jerry needs the Nobel Peace Prize? Well, because 
like when you get to a certain age, right? And I mean middle age. You don't you don't dream of uh, you know meeting some like gorgeous model and you know running away with her or something like that. Or right? you just dream about uh, you know just having some kind of stability in your life. And that increasingly as you get older centers around uh, your bins, right? And <laughs> for me, for me, there is no better feeling than. Uh, when you think the bin men aren't going to come and they're an hour and a half late and then you hear the truck and they have come and then you go out and you have an empty bin and you're facing into another two-week cycle with an empty bin. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the happiest I feel at the moment ever, right? Mm-hmm. Just that sense of, and then there's nothing in the recycling bin that's hardly happening, that's way down and a brand new, uh, you know, you've got the, but it doesn't happen. It only happens about four times in the year that you feel like you're really on top of it. This year, because we've been ordering everything, we like everything in our lives is coming from uh, Amazon in boxes, right? We've had, we, we always have too much uh, recycling rubbish, right? So there was a period during the summer there where the, the shed was just full of boxes. And Mary kept saying, look, let's just bring these to the recycling center. Like it's only like five minute driveway. And I said, no, because I want, I want to feel like I'm in control of something in my life. And that, that just happens to be the the, the, the bin situation. <laughs> and that's really it, like, you know. And, and then so to see a man like this guy who, you know, he's just got it, he's got it sorted. It's like you, it's like you go to your mate's house and he does this and the, and the blinds go up. And then he does this and the telly comes on. You just look at him and you don't hate him. You just kind of, you just look at him and go, he's got it fucking sucks like, you know. Yeah. Do you know that? You know, some some spawny fuckers in your life. You just look at them and go, he fucking has it so. And that guy today, that's how it just. It was brilliant. It was a real A-team moment, wasn't it? Ah, it was yeah. It was amazing. He, he got. What, he, what was the tweet about? What did he do? He said that his black bin is seven eighths full and uh, it's going to be collected next Wednesday. And he, seven eighths, I thought, was very specific. I liked that, like, mm. you know, I just said three quarters. <laughs> he said seven eighths. And then he said, it's being collected next Wednesday, which means he's facing into Christmas week with an empty brown bin, green bin, and black bin. Yeah, huge. That's huge. It's huge. Like, it really is, like, you know. I had an ill experience with bins recently where the brown bin, they didn't, and like you were saying, Paul, that feeling of, you look out the window and you go, that bin hasn't been touched since I put it out last night. And, you know, the, the usual collection time comes and goes. Every couple of hours, you're like, have they collected that bin? They, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to have to bring that in soon. Like, what's... Yeah, yeah. You know, and then, and then nothing. Nothing. There's no communication from the company. Nothing. But yeah. but the bin is full. It hasn't been touched. You, you feel obliged to ring and ask, yeah. has, there been, has there been an issue? Is the, the truck mm-hmm. okay? Is everything... And then they inform you, oh, we're very sorry. There was a problem. We're going to have to change your collection day. Now, oh, usually speaking, me. usually speaking, it's a day or two. Mm. My crowd pushed it out. They they changed the cycle completely. I used to put who's that gen- with? Who's that with? AES bins, and I used to put my general bin and my organic bin out on the same day. And off the back of this brown bin not being collected, they've now changed it to my recycling and organic. So it knocked my cycle completely out. I had a bin that was full, a bin that was empty. I didn't know if I was coming or going. Stuff started going into wrong bins. 
stressed me out, lads. Stressed me out. I think uh, there's something interesting going on here. I think this is like male periods. Yeah. So you know when your cycle is due. Yeah. uh, But you were late, right, Danny? You were late. I was, yeah. And your head was wrecked because you were late. And you're suddenly thinking, shit, I'm in big trouble here. So I think that's... I, I think that's what's going on. It's pretty clear to me now that um, that th- this is what this is what we do instead of menstruating. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Would that be fair to say? <laughs> For us, it's fair to say, but we've definitely angered about eighty percent of our female listeners. But we only have seven of them anyway, so it's not the end of the world. I mean, I go further and say this is actually worse than periods. Hell, we go through right not, without wanting to alienate any. Is Mary in the house? Or no, no, Mary's not here. That's what I'm. Saying. Um, I think it's worse. I actually think it's worse than periods. But I'm not a big believer in the brown bin, right? I'm dubious oh. about the brown bin, and I'll explain to you why. We had a compost bin in our garden, right? One of those ones that you whip the top off. So it was kind of, it was it was on the grass in the garden. Yeah. And I was putting stuff in it for years, about a year, and I opened it one day, and there was eight rats in there, big, dirty, black river rats right and we we have a we have there's a stream at the end of our garden and they had built they had burrowed under the bank and up into into the the compost bin they chewed a hole in the back of it as well because rats won't go into a room rats won't go in anywhere unless they can see in two unless there's two exits you know so they chewed this hole in the back of it so they could get out (laughs) you were saying you have the same thing when you go on a date isn't that right (laughs) he hasn't said jokes like that before like (laughs) what did you do to get rid of the rats pal well i I got a few belts with the shovel and i and they all jumped out the back like you know they all hopped and then I just pulled it down and they were living in there. Like, you know, they were, I was feeding them. I was going every, every day. Oh, what's today? Carrot peelings. Oh, happy days. And they were living in there you know, <laughs> in their own shite and everything. Like it was, it was absolutely vile. And, and I, Meryl, you're a witness to this. Anything, uh, food waste, uh, used tea bags, salad stuff getting thrown out, any of that, cuts of meat, yeah. I flushed them all down the toilet. Um, because I'll like, put <laughs> I put some stuff in the compost bin. Jerry, just just for your own sake, have Gerald on standby because Irish water monitor us and de- they'll be on to you. Fuck Irish water! I would to- <laughs> no, that's true. Um, the the compost bin is very unhygienic from as far as I'm concerned. I'm a big believer in it. I I fucking but compost it doesn't, everything. It doesn't, make, it doesn't even fucking make compost. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it creates motion mold. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's I, an absolute. I was on the phone to Gary today, and he put the tea bag down the toilet. There you go. Yeah. I buy I buy the special bags and everything. We've a little a little a mini bin within our house that then goes into the big bin outside. No, it's a card. Flush it down the jacks. Trust me. A bag of compost is about four quid anyway. Yeah. You know, but you know what I hate, lads, and and I know I'm not winning any friends when I say this, right? But. I tell you what really pisses me off. Uh, the way they, because I used to go to the recycling center, right, in Arklo, and I'd bring all the stuff in and I'd put it in all the bins, right? And there'd be a fella there nearly sniffing your milk carton 
and your orange carton to see had you had you, had you washed it out right now the only reason they're asking you to wash it out is because they don't they couldn't be bothered doing it right so you're giving them you're giving them their your your rubbish that they're making money off right and not content with that they're saying you need to wash it as well you fucking wash it but I think well, now you're one the small one yes yeah she watches fucking everything in that cesspit of a place yeah and he throws dirty looks at everyone she shouldn't be there yeah she is I, as rude i wouldn't i wouldn't go near that place anymore it was about the Bailey's bottle in, in the in with the red wine, you know. And I said, I don't know what color it is. She said, there's oh, there's green bottles and there's brown bottles. And she she said the Bailey's one. I think it was hers that the Bailey's one didn't go with the one I was putting it in. And then I never went back, you know. Yeah. It sounds. She's an absolute Liverpool have just scored in the last minute, two one. Oh, fantastic! No VAR check, is there? No, Fabinho was from a corner. Jesus, that's it. And that's Christmas round, lads. That's fucking round. That is Christmas round. Points clear of Spurs. Mm. Five points clear of everyone else. Jesus, they're, they're, they're nine points clear of City. Yeah. I um I think I think from what you have talked about from Ben's there, lads, I'm I wouldn't be shocked if twenty twenty one prime time investigates and it's it's all about Ben's. Yeah. yeah. Well it, it's a huge like it's a huge. Uh, I I love having the pressure hose ready to go in around the time the waste bin's going to be collected, timing it that I can wash it and get it back yeah, in. By the yeah, time yeah, you have to. You have to wash I, the fucking things out. Yeah, Jesus. To. Yeah. Would you now? Would you use? Uh, would you just go for the, the good old fashioned like just power hose water, just blast everything out, or would you would you be using bleach or anything or Jay's fluid or caustic soda? Caustic soda, you use Jesus. Yeah. Do you do you do you do the bins, Paul, or do you just? Uh, no, but I got a power washer this year. I think we talked about it on the last podcast, did we? I think yeah, I think you did mention did, it. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just it's. I mean, it's. I haven't I haven't taken it out of the sheds in September, but it, it's. I'd still describe it as life changing because I'm thinking of next year and the, the good I'm going to do in the world with it, you know. And did it's you great. Keep the old one for parts, Paul. What's that? sorry, Gary? Did you keep the old one for parts? No, I didn't have the old one. I had was this really light one. Like it didn't. It was like it had about the same power as Mary's hair dryer. Like it made the same noise as well. But this one is like more powerful than my car. Like when I turn it off. But it's great when uh, because we get a lot of people to the door here saying, "Oh, I notice your fascia boards are a bit green there with the moss on them." You know, do would you like me to? And I just look at them and I and I I can look at their machine now and go. Oh, thanks. I've got one of them. I've got actually got the, the next model up from that, you know. <laughs> uh, so so it's it's a great it is a great pleasure, but there's just something there's just something kind of empowering, I think, <clears throat> as a man. Uh, oh, absolutely. To, yeah. to, to yeah. barbecue barbecue meat, poker fire with a poker, and and power wash something. Yeah. Like they're, they're basically the last three areas we have left. Yeah. That yeah. make feel feel male, you know. Great show. I am. Um, I, <laughs> I I think uh, we we should call time on it there, and and that gives men some hope to get through Christmas, and then uh, we'll reconvene at Easter and perhaps consider some options for women. Um, you know, spread spread the love and all that kind of thing. They they can use power washers too. For women. You know. We should have to do a show about about women. I think it'd be. I mean, Gary alone want, would be an encyclopedia. That should be the theme. 
Jeez, imagine. Fucking hell to be. We'd be fucking we'd be we'd be hunted out of Ireland. Oh my God. Um Lads, it's uh, it's been the least Christmassy Christmas Christmas special we've done. <laughs> but I've fuck, I've enjoyed every minute of it. You should cancel it and try again tomorrow, will we? Yeah. <laughs> Give me something to do in the evening, anyway. Yeah. Mero, any any closing thoughts from you? No, none at all. I enjoyed myself as well, lads. It's always a pleasure with the two of you. It is and it Annie Michael. <laughs> always, always, and this very, very, very organic ending that we're just thinking of right now has yes, <laughs> nothing elaborate Gary, about it at all. You, where can you listen to all our podcasts, Gary? Spotify, Alexa, Siri, YouTube. Uh, we're not, we're not on YouTube, Gary. Yes, I do upload on slide. Uh, what I actually listen to is on Acast. I like Acast and think it's nice to use. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that you can get us anywhere and everywhere that does a podcast. You just hit WTS Potomar there. Uh, we are brought to you by Manscaped. And uh, if you go to manscaped.com and enter the code WTS pod, you get 20% off and free shipping. A lot of people asking us for before and after photos. You'll have to go to Mero's OnlyFans to see those. Uh, so I, I don't know how much he charges for that. But uh, it's a separate subscription. Danny's been waiting weeks to say that. <laughs> We're near the end of our deal with them. I've been holding it back. <laughs> yeah, you've been waiting weeks to say you so manscaped.com, WTS pod, 20% off and free shipping. Um, lads, it has, has been an absolute pleasure. At Gary Mackle on Twitter and at AKA Paul Howard on Twitter as well. Um, but Gary, Paul, Merry Christmas. Merry Thank Christmas. you for uh, being, a, being a massive part of this podcast. Thank and you. And happier 2021, right? Yeah, maybe yeah. We'll, get to, we'll get to do one in person in 2021, lads. Yeah, that's the dream, isn't it? This that's is the it. dream. And the way... And the wheelie bins, yeah, yeah. An empty wheelie bin <laughs> and a face-to-face encounter. That's all we can hope for. That's it. <laughs> lads, it's been a pleasure. Good night and God bless. Merry Christmas. Night. Thank you. Yeah, hey, lads. Thank you.